This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. Here we are, another week of the opening kickoff. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday. Mark and Lee and Triple G in the studios of WNSP for the next three hours. We got a lot to get to. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Let's get started. Uh, let me ask you your choice. Should we go uh, first headline draft or game sevens? What do you want? Hmm. I've got both ready to go. Let's go game seven. All right. We had three of them yesterday, Mark, and all of them. Very historic. Uh, we'll start with the uh, – obviously, we're going to spend more time on the NBA game. So, let me get to the National Hockey League first. And, you know, we, we oftentimes on this station talk about disappointments on what you did during the regular season and then postseason. The Boston Bruins set a National Hockey League record for most wins, most points, had the best regular season, won the President's Cup. They had a three games to one lead on Florida and blew it. They lost an overtime game, game seven yesterday. Their season is over. Success or disappointment? <laughs> and it's pretty obvious what the answer is to that. But uh, got to give Miami a lot of credit. The city's got to rejoicing. They get the hockey win. They get the Miami Heat winning in game one over the Knicks. The other National Hockey League game, here's Seattle. Only a second year of existence. First time in postseason, eliminate the Stanley Cup champion, uh, Colorado Avalanche, in Game 7. Then the NBA. We all talked about Sacramento bolting out to a two games to none lead. Could the Warriors, some people were ready to bury them, could they come back and win? Well, they did it in grand fashion yesterday, or at least one individual did. Steph Curry had one, the most amazing Game 7, if not the greatest, 50 points. Nobody's ever done that before in a Game 7. But, Mark, here's what really fascinated me. Of his 20 field goals, only seven were three-pointers. When you look at the 50, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, he must have had, what, 10, 12, 13 three-pointers. No, he only had seven. That means he had 13 field goals that weren't three-pointers. He accounted for 66 of the team's points in a 120-100 to win over Sacramento, and they played that on the Kings' home court. So kudos to Golden State. They move on. Lakers tomorrow. Curry, LeBron, pretty good stuff. Yeah, so the track to the NBA Finals for Golden State, you just point out LeBron, and if they get by LeBron, potentially you see Durant, his former teammate, but what to your point, what made Steph Curry's night so brilliant was his ability to mix it up. If you watch, see the shot chart, he's all over the place. The way he got into the lane and the way he finished yesterday, uh, it, it might... It might have been the most complete game offensively we've seen since Steph Curry, maybe ever, uh, because of the number of times he was able to get to lane. And, you know, that's what happens, right? So everybody fears that long ball, so they're jumping up in him, and he was going right around him. Absolutely amazing. Uh, he is by far the best shooter Nobody ever. has ever scored 40 or more points in a game seven, which kind of— Threw me for a loop yesterday because I was I did not know that I mean I you know I haven't followed every game seven but uh, Golden State winning this series 
And and it just goes to show you, you know, leadership on the team, down two games to none, uh, terrible road team during the regular season. You can throw that out the window. And the and the Thompsons, the Currys, and the Draymond Green, they continues on. And this Lakers series should be fascinating. And, and let's just I'll point out, too, what the Lakers did to Memphis. They just played played them like a drum on Saturday, just annihilated them. Uh, even Dylan Brooks weighed in after the game with a comment or two. <laughs> what did Dylan Brooks? I didn't see that. What did Dylan Brooks have to say? Anything good? Uh, not really. It's it's not good for it. It's not something you want to write up or anything like that. He did give his thoughts, but uh, very subdued, mild, and so forth. Hey, I, I will give you something to look at, uh, and maybe you can post it. In, in the Dodger game yesterday, yeah. I just happened to see this. A fan caught a foul ball barehanded while, ho- while having a baby in his uh, one arm, like wrapped in a whatever they call it. Uh, Bajorn. Yeah, and he, he catches a foul ball. But that was probably one of the best individual fan reactions this week. Now, Dylan Brooks, to me, I'm not going to say that's the reason Memphis lost. There's other reasons, too. Lack of leadership on the floor. They they supposedly were the better team. Or were they? Because the Lakers really, went, if you throw out the first half of the season, the Lakers actually were one of the better teams around. Austin Reeves became a factor. He's, he's become a, a real contributor uh, to the to the Lakers. Uh, the Hockamore coming off the bench like that. I, I'd say... They're a team that, you know, you, I know when the season began and everybody was piling dust on them. And, guys, you know, Anthony Davis is out for a long while. But LeBron, I'm not going to say he's playing his best basketball ever, but he's not far from it. God, was he 38, 39? Yeah. So th- this is a great series. I mean, I, I for the network, you couldn't ask for anything better. Golden State and the Lakers uh, in one of these semifinal games. And that starts tomorrow. All right, so... One of the things I need to ask you guys uh, is on the heels of the NHL and that game seven, what are some of the worst choke jobs in sports history? Because that's a choke job, right? Team oriented or individual, the biggest choke jobs in sports history, because I think you can talk about this being one. All right. How about this? I'll give you a couple. And I'd have to think more outside the lines. Obviously, the 69 World Series, Orioles, heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. Mets, everybody's favorite joke. And they won that World Series in five. But I'll give you another one. How about the 4 Yankees were leading Boston three games to none. Two outs, ninth inning. And the Red Sox tied it and went on to win that series, uh, win that series over the Yankees, and then go on to win the uh, World Series, their first World Series, what since whenever? Um, Is that, that the one where A Rod tried to slap the ball out of the first baseman's hand? Do you remember, remember he was trying to get yeah, on base? And I don't remember if that was the one. The one that stuck, the, the one, the thing that stood out in this one was Mariano Rivera in the ninth inning pitching with a one-run lead, wrap up four games to none, and then Dave Roberts, now the Dodger manager, was on first and sold second and came home on a um, on a base hit. All this with two outs. So I, I would say that would rank right up there. Yeah. Football, um, 
Obviously, the Colts losing to the Jets in 69. If you're looking for just a one game, are you looking like a, in a full four-game, uh, seven-game series? Is that yeah, just, No, individually or team one Colts team were, performance? Yeah, the Colts were like a 17-point favorite over the Jets in 69, the guarantee win by Namath, so that would rank up there. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of others out there, but the Bruins yesterday, three games to one, greatest regular season ever. Um. I give you a Mike Tyson losing to Buster Douglas. Easily, yeah. That might be one of the bigger uh, boxing ones. In fact, you could probably go uh, Roberto Duran with the no moss. Uh, I don't know if that's a choke job, but dude just quit. Uh, and I'll give you a Saints one. This one, man, can I remember the day? How about the River City Relay? Everybody remembers that game for the relay. What people forget is that John Carney missed the extra point to win the game. They scored and missed the extra point. So that's got to be one of the bigger Saints choke jobs that I can remember. Do you put Chris Webber in there as a choke job? Because he walked first, then called timeout. So there are a bunch of different choke jobs of different levels. But based on what we saw in the NHL, I, I think it's fair to say. This what ranks what right about up the there. Cubs? And I won't say because of Bartman, but I'll call it the Bartman game. Uh yeah, I'm not going to. I know you it. don't like to blame Bartman nah, on that not one. Not really. I mean, I. You know what? The shortstop in that game for the Cubs should get a should be very thankful for Bartman because if it wasn't for Bartman, that era <laughs> opened up the doors to that big inning for the Marlins. Was it? I'm trying to think. Was it? Gonz I can't remember the shortstop. Was it Gonzalez or something? Maybe I'm wrong on that. But anyway, yeah. If it wasn't for Bartman, that guy would be the one that would be our buddy Carl Malone. Carl Malone, remember Scotty Pippen told him that the mailman doesn't deliver on Sunday and he missed free throws? That was huge. Uh, that was a huge choke job. And then uh, Scott Norwood for Buffalo Bills. Oh, the field goal. The field goal. Choke job. First of four straight Super Bowl defeats Yeah, for Buffalo. You wonder if that would if that would have gone a different way. If he would have made that, do they wind up winning multiple Super Bowls? There are many who think that that could have opened up the door. And, and then Buffalo had other things. Remember when Thurman Thomas and one of them couldn't find his helmet? <laughs> Remember that? that? I wouldn't say it's a choke job. I'd just say it's one of the more humorous events, you know, in the history of the Buffalo Bills. So there have been some uh, – there's some – there there have been a lot of choke jobs. But, but I think yesterday, and I think you're right on this, to go a regular season and do what they did, the Bruins, and the greatest – regular season ever in the history of the National Hockey League and play a team that quite frankly is off the map even my wife was you know going back and forth and she saw Florida and she said where are they from you know where they play you know not many people know about Florida in the National Hockey League they were down three games to one and came back to win yep and get this Boston had a three to two lead with one minute to go. You yeah. should have seen that Bruins crowd. They were totally stunned. There's others, but that's that's got to be up there. Yeah, so we'll ask you guys for the worst choke jobs in sports throughout the course. We just laid out a whole bunch of them right there, uh, and I'm sure we're forgetting a whole bunch of them as well. But throughout the How course of the day, this? you can give us a call and, and hit us up in the app. Would you say now? I'm not. I'm not putting this up there with Boston. But remember when uh, was it? Golden State had a three games to one lead on Cleveland in the yeah. NBA Finals, and then 
uh, Cleveland came back to win the last three and win their that championship, would that be good enough? I mean, I'm not saying it's as good as what happened, you know, when you go through the regular season, but the fact is that Cleveland came back with LeBron yeah, that and was Irving. The, that was the pin, right? That was by LeBron yes. and the shot by Kyrie. Yeah. I don't now, think that was a choke job more so than it was just an act of greatness by LeBron. Yeah, right. Or the fact, but we forget, you know, that part of that narrative, and that's been brought up recently, is how different would that have been if Draymond didn't Draymond get kicked out of that a game? Yep. He, he, he missed game, time in that series. Missed, was it game five or something? If, if, game six. If he's if he's in that game, how different? Maybe 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 that ultimately impacted the outcome of that game. Um, so was it greatness? Mm. Yes. Didn't he average like forty ten and ten throughout the whole thing? But he did, they didn't. But but Golden State didn't have your guy Draymond for one game. All they, they needed they, was they, one they, game. Draymond <laughs> dropped like thirty five in Game Seven or something. I don't know. I don't remember. That was my favorite playoff series I've ever that, watched. That's a that's another good question. Like in addition to the biggest choke job, like what is what was your favorite playoff series ever in any sport? Yeah. Obviously, that's not football related because we're talking about a series. Can, you know, I was thinking about it because uh, how tough it is mentally, not just physically, but mentally, to play the same team seven times in a row, like. I mean, I've seen some high school teams play, and when you have to play a team a second time or a third time, it's not easy. Can you imagine playing the same team seven times? Well, you don't have to do as much preparation, do you? You know the team. You just have to make an adjustment here and there. I was just thinking the mental aspect, man. It's got to be a grind. It's got to be such a grind, such a grind. Well, that's so why you think about the mental coming back from down three-one. Yeah, that's against the best team in NBA history. That's why many will point out the difference between the regular season and why you can't compare the regular season to postseason. You just pointed it out because you're facing teams night after night, different teams, different cities, this the same team. And that's that's the big difference. All right. So something you we, I know we got to go to break here. But so we talking about this NHL and being up and there had the regular season best record and all that. So could we classify the Braves of the 90s? to some degree as a choke job because they only won the one title with that roster that was so good for so long. Yeah, I was trying to think about that. If 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 in one like if they got to the World Series, the one where they lost to the Yankees, they were up uh two games to none, I think it was. I you know that I'm not sure if it was a choke job or I, I don't I can't put a finger on that. I I'd like to hear what some of our baseball Brave fans think about that. The success during the regular season was unqualified. It was absolutely amazing what they did. 14, 15 year run, but only one World Series. And again, the difference between regular season and postseason. Mark, you spelled it out. You're facing the same team day after day. And in some cases, the, the, you don't match up well against those teams. I would say the uh, World Series, when they had a two-games-to-none lead going back to Atlanta, you could qualify that. And they had that big lead in Game 4. It could have been three games to one, and they blew a 6 nothing lead in the, what, 6th, 7th, 8th inning, perhaps. All right, we're just getting started. Let's get you scoreboard traffic and weather. We'll talk some St. Luke's baseball at 6.30. Uh, Jeff Bauer at Sports Narrative puts a, a wrap on our 
our uh, NFL draft coverage at 7. John Ricchetti will be along from the Light Golf Court. Mike Franks, Irish Sports Daily, going to join us. I have no doubt to talk about the transfer quarterback they just recently lost to Alabama. Uh, Jim Nagy on the uh, draft as well at 8 o'clock. Mike Rodak will uh, wrap up how Alabama did in the draft as well. We're just getting started. We'll get to the NFL draft when we come back. Thanks for hanging with us right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Back after this. On him. Verhage wins the series for Florida. And this joyride ends in a Hindenburg-like ending. The Bruins are the second record-setting... It's a little morbid, but okay. Uh, by the way, I fed, we had a number of responses in the app. Should mention, yes, 28-3 to 3 has to be mentioned when you talk about choke jobs. I say that more for Nick's benefit than anybody, but... Patriots, Falcons, 28-3. Yeah, I mean... Or the miracle, uh, what was it, the Houston-Buffalo game series? I was just thinking it's a long series, not one game. But remember when Houston, was it Houston had that huge lead on Buffalo? And then Buffalo came back. Was it Buffalo came back to win? Like, they were down, like, even 23. I don't know, remember what it was. But one of the biggest comebacks ever in the NFL. And this was in a playoff game. Frank Reich was involved in that, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, they called it the... It was a 35-3. Yeah, I think it was like 30... The, I think it was just referred to as the comeback back in 93. Yep. It was 41-38 Buffalo, but they were down uh, 35-3, I think. It was in the playoffs back in the early 90s. It's Frank, a good call. Frank, good Reich, call. Frank Reich. By the way, speaking about Frank Reich, he's the coach Carolina. They got Bryce Young. So the draft, and we're going to spend a lot of time on the draft. We've got some pretty good guests lined up on that. So it started Thursday. Bryce Young, the first pick. It ends uh, Saturday night with Deshaun Johnson at Toledo, Mr. Relevant, the 259th player selected. Alabama, Georgia each had 10 mark, five from Auburn selected. Seventh straight year, 17th straight year, the SEC led the way. They had 62 players chosen. There were 24 players with ties to the state that were drafted. Uh, Darrell Luter, who was on with us last week, was taken by the 49ers. And then we had uh, Jacorian Bennett. Out of McGill, taken by the Raiders in the fourth round. Winners and losers? What do you think? Well, most of the <clears throat> A's that are given out, Eagles are getting some, Seattle's getting some, even uh, Carolina, uh, because of the trade they made to go up to uh, Bryce Young. Those are some of the teams I've seen getting a high grades. Uh, Ravens are getting high grades, but more so for signing Lamar Jackson and then adding a receiver. I'm trying to think of some of the teams that aren't getting good grades. I'll tell you one that's really confusing to me, and I'll talk to Jeff Bauer about this. Did you see where the uh, uh, Patriots traded up to draft a place kicker? <laughs> and then, wait, Mark, the, the kicker, later on, they drafted a punter. 
Yeah. A drafted a Man, place kicker special, and a punter. Special teams, very important. It is, but they traded up. They yeah. gave away draft picks to get a place kicker. A lot of the things, uh, when it came to winners, I saw a lot of franchises named. A couple that you mentioned, Eagles are real popular, Carolina's real popular. A lot of the losers mentioned were individuals, right? Will Levis, uh, a loser. I think a winner might be the running back position. Could we start seeing that trend get reversed now that Bijan went to the Falcons at eight, Jameer Gibbs went in the first round a lot. I think it was 12. Do we start to see that trend reverse now where maybe we put a little more value back on that, uh, on that position? Look, in such a pass-happy league, that running back not only picking up blitzes, but he's also becoming a lot more relevant in the passing game. Maybe we start. Maybe this is the beginning of reversing that trend a bit. Levis may wind up being a winner, and and from this regard, he went to Tennessee, and I think Tennessee traded up to get him in the second round, early in the second round. By the way, he did not stick around; uh, he was gone. Uh, so he went. He went before. Did he get drafted before Hooker? Yes, all oh, way before. All right. So the final tally was Bryce Stroud, Stroud, Richardson, Levis, Levis and then Hooker. Hooker, Hooker uh, got picked up. Yeah, go by memory now. There were 14 quarterbacks that I went. nailed it. 14 quarterbacks. It's like I knew what I was talking about, Lee, for the first time ever. Yeah, you kind of remind me of these players out there. Listen, pound, people. Pound their chest. Show me. You know, it's about me. My, my it's guarantee. About it's about Mark. So anyway, uh, Levis could wind <laughs> up being a winner in this because Tennessee took him and they're not pleased with Willis, obviously, right? And Tannehill may or may not be around. You know, there's been talk about trading him or dumping him. So he may get an, a really good opportunity there to show what he's got. Obviously, he wasn't happy. The only one who stuck around was Branch of Alabama. And I think he was the first player to go in the second round. All right, when we come back, we'll get you a little spring sports update. We uh, visit with the St. Luke's baseball coach next, uh, Jeff Bauer, on the draft at 7. So uh, plenty to go here on a Monday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Two and two to Vaughn. Swing and a drive. Deep left field. When it lands, the streak is over. 632, how about that? The opening kickoff, Mark and Lee. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday edition. I, I want you to know I was actually considering putting the Heim home run in there for yeah. Texas, but that was like a 15-2 to two game. And it's such an old hat. I mean, when, True. when a Heim excels in athletics, I mean, That's right. is it's, it really news? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, the, this, uh, this guy with the home run for the White Sox, consider this. We are not of relation. You're... Don't say that. There may be down the road, like 15th cousin or something. You just don't know. Um, Andrew Vaughn, three-run walk-off home run. So consider this. You're losing to Tampa, best team these days, 9-5, uh, ninth inning, and you score seven runs to win and snap a 10-game losing streak. So that's why it was exciting. All right, I want to – you know, we've been very good about this championship drive. We go out to campuses. We have one more left to go. Really looking forward to going to McGill on Friday. But over the weekend, uh, just to update everything on what's going on, UMS Wright girls, we were out there a couple weeks ago. Mark, they got a blue map. They won the uh, title, uh, tennis. 
uh, soccer. First round winners, girls, included Sarah Land, Spanish Fort, boys, Theodore, Spanish Fort. And now in the uh, baseball tournament, uh, those advancing include St. Paul's, UMS Wright, Bayside, Spanish Fort, Sarah Land, Baker, and our next coach, St. Luke's, uh, Mike Szymanski. No stranger to us or to baseball, the longtime veteran coach, Mike Szymanski, on the line with us right now. Mike, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Doing, doing fine this morning, Lee. You know, Glad I to be on with you guys. I know, and it means you're still winning, right? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're still in there. We live in one more week for sure. This is what I want you to explain to me, though, and, and and I asked you about this if it was a misprint. Your record is only 16 and 15, which means you basically went into postseason with 500 or a little bit less. What has happened this season that you've caught fire? Well, we uh, we played a very good schedule, and there are not a lot of 2A teams in the Mobile area, so we've played – basically a schedule from 1A to 7A, and we played against uh, nine teams that are in the playoffs, and we've seen some really good pitching this year, but uh, we took off a little bit when we lost two games to Bayshore, Bayshore Christian, and we lost that last game three to nothing, and our kids just uh, realized, hey, they're ranked number one in the state, and we can play with these guys. And since that time, it's been a whole different atmosphere. Who do you play next? We got perennial power GW Long in Skipperville on Wednesday and Thursday. Wow. Yeah, they, they're, uh, they're right up there, aren't they, every year? No matter what, they don't Absolutely. seem to take a break. So what's been the key to this ball club? What's turned it around? Forgetting the fact that who have you played and not played, are there any individuals that have really stood out? We've got uh, three pitchers that have really thrown well, Chaz Evans, Kyle Eddington, and an eighth grader, Cooper Frampton. They've been our starters in these three games, and uh, basically we've swung the bat very well. Got to tell you something. Leading, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Leading, our leading hitters uh, right now are Kyle Eddington and Will Spivey, and, uh, you know, We've played uh, this third game twice now, and we had 15 hits against Horseshoe Bend in game three and 12 hits against uh, Wicksburg in game three. So I'll tell you, I, I don't know a lot about every team that's playing, but I got to tell you, over the weekend, I was a little surprised to see Bayshore Christian eliminated. And Jeff Hagen and I are really good buddies, and I talked to him. And, uh, you know, we we played Bayshore Christian in the, the area, and they were the best hitting team we'd played all year. And then Jeff Hagen told me uh, this weekend that Pike Liberal was the best team that hitting team they had played all year. So there's some really good teams left in this 2A right now in the southern part. Well, Mike, we wish you the best. Uh, congratulations on getting the team into the third round of the postseason. You know, and, and again, you've been coaching baseball forever. Satsuma, great success, and this just adds to your resume. Congratulations. Well, 
Thank you, Lee. And, of course, I, I can't take all the credit. Uh, the good Lord has uh, blessed me with some great assistant coaches. And uh, together we've done a good job trying to get these kids ready to play. And thank you guys for everything you do for high school athletics here in Mobile. Mike, good luck this week. Go get them. Thank, thank you. So, Mark, I was on the phone with my brother this week. Had to get some information, family information. Okay. And he asked me, he said, Lee, have you had any dental implants ever? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you're speaking to a pro when it comes to that. You, said, you guys sound very close, by the way. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know my brother had quite a few, too. So, And he's trying to figure out why, why we've had such situations where we've each had to have several but i told him i said I, i'm very lucky found a uh, oral surgeon in dr christopher mullinex who specializes in dental implants everything has worked out really well for me i haven't had any problems in the last couple of years which is great news and i recommend that dr christopher mullinex or any of his associates uh, dr wallander or dr babston if you have any kind of oral surgery they're located at 715 downtown or boulevard you can reach them at 471-3381 as you know dr mullinex is our title sponsor we'll take our championship drive one more trip right up the street to mcgill tulin i highly recommend them because they're very professional and very personable and if they specialize in any kind of jaw surgery, oral surgery, they're the people to go see. Uh, all right, you guys can jump in. We've asked for a couple different things now. Uh, we started talking about winners and losers in the NFL draft, but we're also looking for the worst choke jobs in sports. We've named a whole bunch of them uh, on the heels of this NHL series. But if you guys can uh, want to chime in on that, I do think Drew brought an interesting point up about winners and losers in the draft, right? So we sit here, we talk about Will Levis being one of the individual losers, sitting in the green room all first round, did not get picked to the second round. So a lot of people, including me, calling him. But as he pointed out, Mel Kuyper had him as the, like one of the number one rated prospects. We never hold the, the draft Knicks responsible. Can we say that Mel Kuyper may be a loser in this one? Clearly got that one wrong. I'll tell you who a loser is in this. Levis's agent. These are the people that, uh, that steer you. And I don't know if you heard the interview. I, I, I didn't hear it when it came out, Mark, but it was replayed. Levis was asked prior to the draft if he was going to attend. He said only if he was assured that he would be going early in the draft. Now, who would advise you that you'd be going early in the draft? Your agent. Your, your agent who was listening to Mel Kuyper talk about what a high draft prospect your, well, your client was. Well, whoever it is, if I if I was me, and that's why he went, because of the advice of All his right. agent and told him. But if if I'm in there and, and this doesn't go well, I'm, I'm looking at changing agents. Dude's cutting ties with agents already. Well, I mean, they're the ones. They're the ones that are steering your career and steering you there. He 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 even said, "Look, I'm not that anxious to go, but if I'm going to go high and all that kind of stuff, all right, fine." And then he was steered wrong. Well, of course, if the agent is buying into what Mel Kiper or whoever, and it's true, it wasn't just Mel Kiper. There were many who felt Levis was going to go very early, and then of course when. The Colts took Richardson, and then it started to drop. But did you also see where Jim was saying? I don't know if he's telling the truth or not. He said if they didn't take Richardson, they would have taken Levis. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that makes Will Levis feel any better. Probably not. But he's in a good situation. Although his agent's probably saying, see? See what Ursay said? 
but he's, he's in a good situation. The nutrition uh, specialist who came in and told the teams not to draft Will Levis. Yeah, that whole banana like the mayonnaise, mayonnaise and the thing. coffee. Yeah, and the mayonnaise you and the can't coffee draft thing. Draft a guy like that. No, that there uh, that's red not flags. Not the first round, at least. Yeah, the S two test was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> does not compute. What? Do y'all remember that story, Lee? You remember we talked about that? I guess that was at SEC Media Days, right? He revealed that he put mayonnaise in his coffee. Uh, Howie was even mentioned in the first round after that. I can't trust a man who puts mayonnaise in his coffee. I can't trust anybody who puts what? You, what was the banana part of it? Eats the pe- the banana peel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that part that mystified me more than the uh, mayonnaise. I'm not a mayonnaise fan, as you know, but and I eat bananas every day, but I could never touch those peels. You don't know where I, don't, I don't know. The I think the I mean, I, I, I'm i with you. I'm with you. I but mean, I Nick, think Nick, the you, mayonnaise. What Nick, I think you eat bananas all day, don't you? <laughs> Do I eat bananas all day? Well, you know what I mean. Every day <laughs> no, I've seen I bananas, eat bananas some. Yes. Have you ever eaten a peel? No, I, I normally peel. I mean, you don't know where those peels have been. I no, I agree with that. But is as as ridiculous and crazy as that is, I'm sorry. Mayonnaise in the like, coffee. Can you imagine a guy just like coming in your kitchen and being like, "Hey, man, can I get a banana? Appreciate it," and yeah. then just grabbing it and taking a giant bite out of it immediately. <laughs> or or dude walks in, you want? How do you take your coffee? And you give him the coffee, and dude be like. Yo, bro, uh, where, where's the, the where's the Hellman's? <laughs> where y- where's the blue plate? Like it just how do, how does one stumble on that? Right. Like imagine like making your little Chick Fil A online order, and they're like, "What else would you like to add?" Because because man, condiments aren't an option under the <laughs> coffee. <laughs> so you'd have to type in, "Can I please get a yeah. packet of mayonnaise?" Special instructions, please <laughs> add mayonnaise. It's just so bizarre. I don't and know. What consistency is that like? Mayonnaise is what? All right, here's the uh, deal. On I just Googled. Banana peel is said to have <laughs> anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, and other properties. They suggest that it has a soothing effect on the skin and can help remove conditions like emphysema while uh, soothing bug bites, wounds, sunburns, and skin irritations. So perhaps there's something to it. Could you, how awesome would it have been, dude, if... They pan to him in the in the green room, and dude's just eating a banana peel to deal with the anxiety of it all. Yeah. <laughs> like the the social media influencer that took the world by a storm, sitting next to her, went into a purse, pulled out a banana, and handed it to Will, and he just goes to town on if it. If you've been wondering if you can eat raw, cooked, or even frozen banana peels, the answer is yes. All right, now Google mayonnaise and coffee and see what comes up. All right, tomorrow I'm going to bring in some bananas, and let's all agree to eat it. Uh, That's not going to happen. It's good for you, Lee. You're you're a health nut. I am, but— Give it a shot. I eat my one banana on the way in. I am not going to have another, and I'm not going to eat a peel. Do you You think maybe in my smoothies should I—because what I'll do is I'll— There you go. I'll peel the banana and then freeze it. Baby steps. Maybe blend up the peel? Yeah. Just a little bit of it, and, th- and and then add a little bit more every smoothie, and you'll be Will Levis. Throw throw a glob of mayonnaise in there just for just for fun. All right. Here's another thing too. Can I rub banana peel on my face? Benefits of using banana peel <laughs> on your skin. Very rich. There you go, Nick. What, what you- Lee must be on WebMD can now. I see, can I see you? How how would someone rub the banana on their face, Lee? I haven't gotten that far in the reading yet. So, Mark, you want to you want to uh, 
You want to reenact it, maybe? Um, maybe at the break. <laughs> if we had to do a one-hour show every week, we'll just call it Lee and Google, where Lee will just Google like random no- topics, and he'll just read from Google. And you guys can call in and ask him to read different things. It'll be get, like story time with Lee. They get rid of your wrinkles and face lines. Look, he's still going. One day he'll get to the end of the well, internet, ladies and gentlemen. You know, he he gets kitted and everything, but so Levis is on to something. What about what about the mayonnaise coffee thing though? Any health benefits to that? I'm not gonna even bother to look that up because I'm not <laughs> a Mayo fan, plus I don't drink coffee, so there's no interest I have in either or. So if you go to a, a little uh snack party thing at Will Levis's house, you're just going for the the bananas. And the peels. You're skipping the, the peels, yeah. Coffee. Peels, definitely. Okay. Uh, here's a question. Now it's my turn to play Heim and Google. Um, actually, adding mayo to your coffee will add a significant amount of calories, sodium, and fat to your diet. It is not considered a healthy addition to your morning cup of coffee. It's better to stick with traditional ingredients like cream, milk, or sweeteners like sugar or honey. That makes sense. Have you, <laughs> have you guys ever put uh, had a salad where they put mayonnaise in it? Ugh, no. That's a uh, popular uh, thing in the uh, Caucasian crowd, I hear. Mayonnaise in your salad. Really? Yeah. You have your finger on the on the pulse of the Caucasian crowd? Look, hey, people at home, I know y'all are driving down the road thinking, yeah, I like some mayonnaise in my salad. He's speaking to me. All right. Most random thing you put mayonnaise on. Go ahead. Put it in the app. Keep it clean, folks. It's a family-friendly radio station. Coming back, hour number one, we're going to wrap things up. We'll uh, see if we can catch up with Larry Skoda. Jeff Bauer, the sports narrative, talks some NFL draft at 7. We'll also do the Millite Golf Report. Mike Franks, Irish Sports Daily, is set to join us at 7.30. We'll get the uh, Notre Dame side of the big transfer to Tuscaloosa. All that in your... uh, your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff here on this Monday. Stay with us right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. how ironic one of the worst road teams in the NBA during the regular season will have the biggest road win of the playoffs as Curry lays it up and in a 50-point game seven for Steph Curry. Hey, look, we talked about this earlier, but I'll reiterate. It's not just the fact that he scored 50. It's how he did it, right? And you made a great point, Lee. You just assume when you see that headline that he was just bombing away, and he was unbelievable. But the way he got to the rack and finished – uh, it was probably one of, if not the best performances Steph Curry's ever had. At Mark, 35 years old, I might add. Mark, when I look at uh, 50 points, I, I check free throws and things like that. I think he only went to the line like five times. And again, if, you, if you're shooting threes, you're not going to go to the line that much. But he wasn't just shooting threes. Only seven of his 20 field goals were three-pointers. Think about that, because I was thinking he probably had about 10, 11, or 12 to get to 50 points, which is incredible. Plus, he accounted for 66 of the uh, 120 points. 50 points was half of what Sacramento scored. 
think about that. Yep. Larry Skoda with LNS Air Conditioning is our guest this morning. Larry, good morning. How are you today? Fine, guys. How about y'all? Okay, Larry, we're going to go in a different direction today. Normally, we talk about the services and the fact that you were looking for technicians, things like that. But I think there's a very serious issue out there, and it has to do with customers getting blinded by prices that are out of sight. Can you talk about that or give us your take on this? Uh, yeah, Lee, I can. Uh, I've been in business, as y'all know, 43 years now. And there's a lot of good dealers. There's a lot of dealers out there that basically aren't doing the small dollar items anymore. All they're doing is pushing the super high efficiency stuff and the prices that they're selling it for, I can't believe people are even buying. I mean, whenever whenever you're looking at quotes of fourteen, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars and plus, uh, uh, really and truly, there's not a change out unit out there that ought to be even comparable to any of that. And People are just going out and buying them, and they're buying them on a lot of them on zero percent financing, which basically the companies are only buying down points, and which means that that price is being added to your to your job also. And you know, <clears throat> as a Christian company, we try to take care of folks, try to give them a decent price. We we make a living. We do. We've been around a long time and figured out how to do that, but. People just need to know what's going on, Lee, and it's it's not good with a lot of the companies. They're not even doing new construction anymore because there's not as much money in it. So uh, just kind of putting it out there for, for folks to make sure you shop what you do. And if they're, you're getting 14, we had one the other day, Lee, that was a one of our regular customers called us, asked if we could look at one. Uh, people had bought a house about a year ago. Had a two-year-old system with the refrigerant leak on the copper tube and on the inside where it went into the coil, and the company told him that the refrigerant would be $185 a pound, or they could change out the system for $14,000. Basically, told him that it was a 10-year-old system, and it turned out to be two years old, and we fixed a, a leak on the one of the well joints on the inside, and but. This is the kind of stuff that we're seeing a lot of right now. Uh, we are looking for good employees that want to work for, for a good company that uh, makes 40 hours guaranteed year-round. But uh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't justify not at least, I guess, sounding an alarm because it's going on and it, uh, there's a lot of companies doing it. Can't thank you enough for the tip. Thanks so much, Larry. We'll be in touch. All right. Larry Scott, LNS Air Conditioning. All right, uh, coming up, Jeff Bauer, Sports Narrative. He's going to join us, and uh, we'll talk about the draft, winners and losers, who made out well, uh, who did not. And, of course, uh, we'll get back to a number of different things. We're, we've got a lot going on today. Um, someone in the app said, I don't trust folks who eat mayonnaise. I, you know, over the years, I've really we, – we, this always seems to come up. I, I – I like mayonnaise. I mean, I don't, I don't slab it on stuff, but I use it. There are a growing number of people that have come out of hiding that just have a disdain for mayonnaise. Like, absolutely, just will not touch the stuff. Um, is it, is it a 
I wonder what the reasoning is. Is it just the flavor? Is, is it, it yeah color texture? I don't know. What Lee? You don't like mayonnaise? Not at all. It's the taste of it. Take your time. <laughs> you know, I have to go back in history. Actually, when I started out on sandwiches, I actually did like it. I just put it now. Now it's mustard for me. I don't see the benefits of mayonnaise. I don't like it in in just about anything. And add a little creaminess. No, I I don't I don't I don't know if it's the taste or whatever. I just don't like it. Okay, I, I if I'm a big <laughs> mustard fan, honey mustard. You just don't have a re- you just can't you don't I have a good reason. No, you just don't, don't like it. I don't like it. It's like Nick. You just there's no like reason. You just don't, don't like it. Exactly. Probably I just some, don't. There's probably some horrible mayonnaise-based tragedy in his childhood yeah. that he blocked out. From or maybe you got sick, and maybe you just recently had some sort of sandwich, and maybe you associate the mayonnaise with it. Like that's why people don't like a lot of people don't like grape. Because there's so many medicines that you were given as a kid you that were grape, grape flavors. jelly? Yeah, or that grape flavor. I love grape. You got home See, that's the thing I like. And you went to get the vanilla ice cream out the freezer and you put a big spoon in, but then you realize you're someone from your family. Just someone the said the word the itself freezer. is gross. Mayonnaise. <laughs> what if I call it mayo? <laughs> What's the other word for it? Aioli? Yeah, I don't know about that. You like an aioli? <laughs> <laughs> that word sounds weirder every time you say it. So would you be more willingly to eat a banana peel or a, or a sandwich with mayonnaise on it? Sandwich with mayonnaise on it. Let's do it tomorrow. Who's bringing the sandwiches? Wheat or white? Oh, white, but, you know, I eat wheat because I'm you're honey wheat. Boy. That's right. <laughs> All right, Jeff Bowers next. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. 7.04 and just like that, hour number two on a busy Monday. Hope you and yours had a happy and safe weekend. Thanks for making us part of your morning. All right, some of the headlines. Well, we've been talking about the Boston Bruins. Uh, We don't talk much about the National Hockey League, but here's a team that had the best record ever in the history of the regular season. Three games to one lead in the first series against Florida and blew it. In fact, they even led three to two with a minute to go, and Florida wins in overtime game seven. The other highlight last night, game seven, Steph Curry. The most points ever scored by an NBA player in a game seven 50 points, hit 20 out of 38, and only seven of those were three-pointers. As Golden State rallied from two games to none deficit to beat Sacramento. And now tomorrow night, Lakers, Golden State, LeBron, Curry. Quite a matchup. Let's talk to Jeff Bauer. He's back from Kansas City. Sports Narrative covered the NFL draft. Jeff, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Mark, Lee, how we doing? Man, we had a record-setting weekend in Kansas City as they uh, 
topped the record for most people attended the draft, 300,000 of my uh, closest friends. We had the most quarterbacks taken in the first 150 picks. We had the most tight ends taken in the first 100 picks. We had four straight receivers taken at one point. Uh, what an amazing weekend. And, of course, the most important record, uh, the Guinness people still on their way out to see if I indeed broke the record for most burnt ends consumed over a draft weekend. And uh, we'll, we'll have the results for you momentarily. Appreciate that. Uh, also, the most trades ever, right? Wasn't it about 41, 42 trades? 43 trades. Oh. The old record of 40 that we had a few what years ago. What was the most significant trade in your mind? The best, the, the one that's the most impactful? I mean, right there at the top. I mean, obviously, what uh, Arizona being at three with sitting there with one of the worst rosters in the league, and they get an absolute present from the Texans. Uh, the story there is that all of this stuff that we heard that the Texans were going to pass on a quarterback was 100% true until the owner, Cal McNair, walked in the room and says, stop all this nonsense, take the damn quarterback. And that's exactly what they did. Um, Casario then, of course, said, okay, well, we still want our guy. So then they made the move and jumped up and just took number pick number two and number three. Uh, but a huge get for Arizona as well. As they get picks in the future, they, they're now sitting there with their own pick and the Texans pick, which might be two top five picks in next year's draft, with a few quarterbacks that you might have heard of uh, named Caleb Williams and Drake May coming out. All right, well, who did you give the high grades to? Which teams do you feel did the best in the draft this weekend? So my top five teams in no terribly particular order, you've got to start with the Philadelphia Bulldogs. I mean, Eagles, uh, as the... Uh, what the Eagles have been able to do and add those picks to an already incredible team. Obviously, now they have five of those Georgia Bulldogs on that defense, which just seems insane. They had three more, two in the first round of this one. Um, I thought Philly did themselves a, a fantastic job. And then, of course, then they go add another Georgia Bulldog and DeAndre Swift uh, with a trade for a 2025 pick. Who even knows if we're all around by then, Lee? And so uh, there's that. Uh, I thought the Steelers did well. The Steelers do what the Steelers do, which is they sit there, they take good players. They did jump up once and get in front of my Jets, which hurt. We'll get to that later. But uh, great pick, I thought, for the Steelers as well. Like I said, Arizona getting those assets and then still adding really good pieces to that team. I thought they, they set themselves well on, on a foundational basis to, to get things going in the right direction. And then – what the Lions were able to do, you know, everybody was kind of giving them uh, some grief about taking Jameer Gibbs so high, but I had it on good authority. The Jets were looking at him at 15. I think there were several teams that were in on Jameer Gibbs early. I thought they did a good job getting him. And the talent they acquired with Brian Branch, another Bama guy from down there, a couple of Iowa Hawkeyes in, in Campbell and Laporta, I thought those were great, great building blocks uh, for, a, for a team going forward. How about some of the bad grades? Who'd you give low grades to? Well, I do unfortunately have to start with my New York Jets as uh, they did get jumped for the last offensive tackle. They had to scramble a little bit. They couldn't get off the clock. Now, look, I love Will McDonald. I think McDonald has a chance to be uh, an absolute game wrecker on the outside. Super long arms. The spin move is incredible. He's kind of like the Tasmanian devil out there. All of that stuff is great. But when you get trapped everybody knows it right they did great the rest of the draft in my opinion i love joe titman in the segment second i love israel abanaconda 
uh, the running back out of Pittsburgh who's got sprinter speed. I think him plus Brees Hall in that backfield, we may not even have to have Aaron Rodgers throw the ball. So um, a few other teams I thought struggled. Usually those it was really those teams without the draft picks. Um, I thought Cleveland struggled. You know, even their first pick, they got leaped, and and the Giants right ahead of them took Jalen Hyatt, so they took the other Tennessee receiver in Cedric Tillman. Uh, I thought that uh, San Francisco, a little weird, though they did get your South Alabama guy, uh, Daryl Luter, uh, so that's a nice pickup for them, a good co- uh, zone cover cornerback. And I thought the Rams, man, what a weird draft for the Rams. Um, you know, I thought they did fine early. I love the pick Steve Avila. But Stetson Bennett in the fourth, especially considering the Saints jumped right up ahead of them and took Jake Hayner, who is who I think they actually wanted. But then they take Stetson Bennett, and hey, who knows? Maybe he can be a kicker. All right, so let me ask you about Will Levis. Uh, did he fall because of the reported toe injury, or did he fall for his penchant of banana peels and mayo in the coffee? All of the above. Uh, I think this is a situation where people got scared off by the personality, by you know all of these things. Now, look. Levis has a chance, I think, to be very successful in the pros because he knows how to call plays out of a huddle. He knows how to do a lot of things that, you know, there's college players we've seen, you know, famously Marcus Mariota, the first time he was ever even in a huddle was in the pros in a practice. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's stuff like that that I, I you know, I, I think Levis is going to be fine. You know, maybe it was the harem of women that he had it was seemingly with him on the couch, yes. most of which he was related to, so that's good. Uh, but, or not, <laughs> you, know, you know, uh, man, it was, it was, uh, it was a wild ride for him. Um, you know, I think the Titans did well. We'll, we'll see what he can do. You know, like I, I heard some people that were very high on him with the coachable stuff and the personality stuff. And some people were really turned off. And when you have a polarizing player like that, that's, that's how you get slides like this. I wanted to ask you about the Patriots, did, how they traded up to get a field goal kicker. Well, you know, I will let's give Bill Belichick a little credit this year. He didn't go totally nuts like he's done in years past, taking Cole Strange in the first round. He did very well in his first couple of rounds, but he couldn't help himself. Starting in the fourth round, day three, they just start mailing it in. They start trading up for kickers. They take a center that I barely had on my my draft board, uh, a guy named City Sal, which, I mean – that's just an amazing name. I don't know if they just did that. They take a punter. Um, you know, Belichick, I think, in the last few years, and, and look, for the longest time, he was smarter than the rest of the league. But I think now he thinks he's smarter than the rest of the league, and he may not be, and it's starting to catch up with those Patriots. Hey, what about uh, – was this this draft just a blip on the map when it comes to running backs going early, or is this the start of maybe reversing that trend about what we value in a running back? Um, you know, that's interesting because all the analytics guys, all the, you know, the hardcore draft nerds, they're all going to tell you, look, there's just no value in it because you're, you're good. First of all, right now, if you take a running back in the first round, he's a top five paid runner. Uh, based on the way these running back contracts yeah. have gone. So, you know, it, it, as far as the analytics and maybe the money ball theory of football, um, I would say that there, it's still going to be deterred, and I think they're still going to go later. That being said, 
I think you could see, you know, Bijan goes out there and absolutely kills it. We know this is a copycat league. We know people will make a run for that guy who makes a difference. I mean, we saw it with Saquon Barkley last year, basically carrying that Giants team. Uh, you saw the 49ers kind of reverse trends and go get a Christian McCaffrey to add to that team and, and start to do that. So I think there's a chance that we might see that change as, as teams kind of copy the teams that are good. Uh, but then, you know, you look at a team like the Eagles that just say, nah, we're good. We'll just go get a couple of cheap bets and spend $3 million and go win ourselves a Super Bowl. It'll be fun. Our talking to Jeff Bowers of the Sports Narrative based in Dallas. So how would you rate Kansas City as a site for the draft in comparison to some of the others? In fact, Nashville, I heard people talk about how they want to go back to Nashville or, or Vegas. or what, what, How did it go for you? Man, I thought Kansas City did a fantastic job. Um I think, you know, one of the cool things that they really did this year that, that is unique. So every year at the draft, they have what's called the NFL experience. And if you've ever been to a Super Bowl or a Pro Bowl or a draft or anything, it's always the same thing. It's They have a thing that runs the 40. They have field goal kicking. They have, like, places to take pictures. They have the Super Bowl rings and trophies. It's the same thing every time. What Kansas City did, and that was all south of the World War I Museum, the big tower that you saw. On the north end, Kansas City built their own, and they called it the KC Experience. And they had uh, a barbecue cook-off on Saturday morning. They had their own, you know, the team bus and, and this little area where you could walk through like it was the tunnel and it had the smoke going and the whole thing. And so, like, it was really, really cool. I thought Kansas City did a fantastic job. I think the only complaint anybody had was parking because the park and walk for uh, for the event was quite long. Uh, but the city did great. Uh, I thought they, they kept their own flair. The, the crowds were huge, and yet it always it never really felt too – I think there was only one day where they really had to, like, kind of shut things down and, and stop people from flowing on day one. But otherwise, it was great. I thought Kansas City did a fantastic job. And, and now next year we are on to Detroit, and then the rumor is 2025 might be in Green Bay. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, quickly, before we let you go, uh, I thought two of the bigger individual winners were Anthony Richardson, just because it was so unknown who would take a shot at him, and two, uh, Jalen Carter, because of the pre-draft process didn't go exactly well. In your opinion, which which one won bigger based on those two examples I just threw out there? Yeah, no, th I, I think that's great. Uh, yeah, I think Richardson, I mean, he's got a chance – I hope they don't throw him right into the fire, although it sounds like they might. And that's the only reason I'm going to lean more towards Jalen Carter in this, uh, because I think Richardson, uh, especially now with Jonathan Taylor, with the, with that Colts offense is going to be able to do and, and, and Steichen coming from uh, the Eagles, man, I'm very excited to see what this kid can do. They, they got him some weapons a little bit. And, and I think that's a team that's going to be on the rise. I think they're going to get him. I think they're going to get him out there early. I think he's going to get scarred up and hopefully if he can stay healthy and, and get a little success, I think they've got a chance to be really, really neat. But Jalen Carter, as you mentioned, given all that happened going through that for him to be able to go into uh, a locker room like the Eagles, a winning franchise, you know, learn from Fletcher Cox. Are you kidding me? And then also be there with all of his friends, uh, you know, with, with guys that he's played next to him and Jordan Davis on the front of that Eagles defense, man, I'll tell you what here in Dallas, they, they are looking around going, man, are we even in the same league as that team right now? And, and that's, that's saying something. Hey, great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. How can people uh, continue to follow your coverage of all things NFL? 
Uh, yeah, we'll have uh, draft grades out today at Sports Narrative on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, boys, we'll uh, talk soon. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. That's Jeff Bauer, ladies and gentlemen. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather next. Uh, Millite Golf Report. Mike Franks, Irish Sports Daily, is going to join us at 730. You're going to be around for that, I hope. And uh, we'll have some Chick-fil-A this, this hour as well. It's Monday, but we got tons to get to. We're debating on the whole pros and cons of mayonnaise, the worst choke jobs in all of sports, and so much more. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. At 724, boys and girls, thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff, Mark Lee and Triple G. Once a year, maybe twice a year, we talk hockey with John Ricchetti. He's Canadian. He knows hockey as well as anybody in this area. Johnny, good morning. And how do you explain the Boston Bruins losing in the first round after the greatest record ever in uh, National Hockey League regular season? Well, I can tell you uh, it's uh, it was – it was awesome. I watched it. Uh, that's just professional sports, I guess, given the talent level. If you really watched the playoffs this year in round one of the NHL playoffs, I thought that every game was, for the most part, uh, very, very, very competitive. Every series was very competitive. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, uh, you look at the trade that uh, that brought Matthew Kachuk from Calgary to Florida. Huge, huge, uh, paying huge dividends. I think uh, he was a key factor in them winning, uh, winning that series. But uh, it is what it is, and they'll move on to play the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is another story in itself. That uh, uh, he's so much pressure on the Maple Leafs and the city of Toronto to win a finally win a playoff series with the money they spent, the talented team they got uh, in Toronto, and. Uh, it was it was awesome to see that uh, too. But it, it is uh, the Panthers are going to be tough. Um, I wouldn't count them out about the Leafs, but I, I think this is, could bode for an All Canadian Stanley Cup in a long, long time. I think I'd I think you could see the Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers playing for the Stanley Cup. All right, we only got about a minute to go. What about Mexico and the golf tournament down there? Well, I tell you, it's, uh, you know, Tony Finau played, uh, obviously, uh, you know, John Rahm was staring him down, who, by the way, John Rahm with his runner-up finish has now set a PGA Tour uh, earnings record in one year, over $14 million, and we're still in April, well, May now. Uh, no telling how much money this guy is going to win and, and so forth. But Tony Finau picked up his fourth PGA Tour victory, now looking for a coveted major championship and, uh, well liked on the PJ Tour, one of the great guys on tour. I can tell you this little tidbit: uh, not was three hours or two hours after he finished playing in Mexico yesterday, he was out seen on a par three golf course, caddying for his kids playing golf in a recreational round of golf. So that just shows you the, uh, the what kind of guy Tony Finau really is. So we'll see. They got the Wells Fargo this week and John Rahm and. Scotty Scheffler not in the field, 
Uh, it's an elevated event, $20 million purse, uh, but uh, they're taking the week off. Rory McIlroy will be back in the field. We'll be on the air tonight at five o'clock, at 6 o'clock live from Felix's Fish Camp, and good luck to all our boys and girls high school golfers as they get set today is round one of the road to the state championship and we wish we wish all the best of luck to all our local schools thank you johnny we appreciate it man have a good week all right take care that's john richetti the middle golf report coming up uh mike franks uh irish sports daily he will join us next jim Nagy at eight o'clock on the draft senior bowlers uh looks like they Tweeted out some information we'll share. Uh, Jim, I'm sure, will share it with us. But 36 of the top 100, 38 selected in rounds one through three, 100 players drafted uh, in its entirety. So uh, another successful year for the Reese's Senior Bowl. We will talk to Jim coming up about that in uh, about a half an hour. Uh, Mike Rodak in 60 minutes. But up next, we talk Mike Frank's Irish Sports Daily. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and online at WNSP.com. Welcome back in the opening kickoff here on this Monday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. Let's uh, welcome in Mike Franks from Irish Sports Daily joining us this morning. Mike, hey, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I am. I'm doing fantastic. Don't you guys get shot for playing a song like that down there? I don't know. Do we? Nah, we're fine. No, I mean, nah, I mean, if we had lost, if we'd lost one of our quarterbacks to Notre Dame, maybe. But it's the other way around. We're poaching. Hey, Mike, if Sam Hartman hadn't transferred to Notre Dame, would Tyler Buckner be coming to Alabama? Oh, no, no way. Absolutely not. And, and uh, you know, it's an interesting situation because Tyler Buckner's just kind of had a rough go his whole entire career. You know, he was, he was hurt his junior year in high school. He was hurt his senior year in high school. He's been hurt a number of times in Notre Dame as well, and that's really kind of what's been – hindering him uh when you watch him as a player he's a tremendous player uh, he's got so much potential uh and, and just makes a lot of plays but it's eliminating the bad ones that, that has really been kind of his problem and you know he will look like the five-star player and, and great player that everybody thinks he will be 60 percent of the time and then 40 percent of the time uh you're scratching your head saying why you know why did he make that read or what a terrible decision so with Buckner it's simply a situation where he just needs to uh, get some reps he just needs to be the guy and, and given the opportunity and, and and we'll see where it goes but the potential has always been there he's a great kid uh, you know he's a guy who's going to be somebody who's very well liked in, in, in the uh, quarterback room and amongst the team and 
and we'll just see what happens. And I know Tommy Reese has always been a big Buckner fan, and, and I think he felt like this was his year. Uh, if he, Had he stuck around at Notre Dame, this would have been the year for Tyler Buckner. And I think Buckner feels comfortable in Reese and feels like, you know, he's got an ally in, in his back pocket and, you know, somebody who, who believes in him. And so I think that that's really the reason that uh, Buckner ended up transferring. What are we, what is Alabama getting from a skill standpoint? Uh, and I know you don't you don't watch or cover Alabama football day to day like we do. But what is what are some of his more positive attributes? And what are the things if you're an Alabama fan you might need to be concerned about? Well, I think the, the thing with him is the, the positives are he's certainly a very dynamic runner, and he can extend plays and and he can make things happen. Uh, you know when things break down. He's also somebody who, you know, does a really good job with zone read and, and, and those types of things. And, and I think you'll see that be, you know, something that's part of the package uh, once Tommy Reese gets his offense underway. Uh, he's got a very solid arm. I wouldn't say it's an elite arm, uh, but he definitely has a solid arm. I would say if there's uh, any negative, it would be accuracy and it would, it would be decision-making. And, Again, you know, he's he's a guy who's made some amazing throws. I mean, if you watch the South Carolina game uh, in the bowl game this year, he played extremely well, but he also had three interceptions. One was a really terrible decision, uh, but I would also argue it was a terrible decision by the guy calling the play as much as it was the quarterback's decision. And uh, and, and then the other two were kind of chip passes, uh, balls that may, may not have – you know, may not have been thrown, but uh, also good plays by defenders and and were tip passes and and so he had those struggles. But if you look at the positive plays, he made a tremendous amount of positive plays, and so everybody was really excited to see what Buckner could do. And I think people were kind of surprised that Notre Dame went so hard in in the portal because I think a lot of people after the bowl game felt okay, well, this is Buckner's time, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, if you get a chance to get a guy like Sam Hartman and somebody with that kind of experience and, and, and you know, all kinds of uh, experience playing in big games, uh, you have to look at that. And so, and to be honest with you, I think that that was one of the reasons that uh, Reese probably left is I just don't think that he and Marcus Freeman saw eye to eye on, on a lot of things, and, and probably that was one of them as well. Yeah, and I was, you're almost getting to where I wanted to go with this. Like if, okay, Hartman comes in, but Buckner had the inside track since he'd been in the system a little bit longer. Do you know what went behind the scenes that, that he would leave and not want to compete against Hartman? Well, I think what happened was, uh, and, and it was kind of strange too, um, I, you know, if you followed spring football like we did, there's a lot of you know comments throughout spring football that that Buckner was actually outplaying Sam Hartman, and and you know I, I know that for a fact that that he was definitely playing very very well in the spring and doing very very well, uh, and then the spring game happened, and if you kind of watch that. It was interesting because a lot of people, the, the question was, what's wrong with Sam Hartman? And then the spring game happened, and you saw the old Sam Hartman, and then you saw the old Tyler Buckner, the, the player that a lot of people were like, ah, this guy will never play. 
And that was not fair to Buckner because Buckner clearly had the, the bad offensive line. And they can spring, you know, Notre Dame has three starters returning at, at offensive line. Uh, but the two that you know, two guards that they have to replace, and literally everybody behind them, uh, I really don't think are are elite players at this point. And unfortunately, Buckner got stuck behind a lot of those types of players, so it really wasn't a fair assessment. Uh, but you know, when when Buckner did have opportunities to make plays, and he did have some, uh, he just did not look good. And I have a feeling that the, the Buckner probably realized that. You know, I think he probably put two and two together that why would Sam Hartman come to Notre Dame, you know, to to play if he wasn't guaranteed the job? And I think that that's probably, you know, he I, I'm I can't speak for Tyler, but I'm going to guess that's probably what he thought at the end, saying, well, you know, no matter what I do, I'm not going to have a shot here anyway, so I may as well look. And then obviously there's a relationship between. Tyler and, and Tommy, and, and I'm sure that Tyler picked up the phone and said, hey, you know, how are things going down there in Alabama? So uh, I, I'm going to guess that's, that's what's happened, and, and, you know, best of luck to him. He's a, he's a fantastic kid, and I think everybody will be very happy with him as a person, and, and you know, hopefully he gets his shot, and, and I've always felt like he has a lot of potential. He just needs some reps. Uh, I'm not 100% sold whether he can do the job, just because I haven't seen him play it with any sort of consistency that you'd want to see. Uh, you know, in some games he's looked really, really good. In others he hasn't looked as good. And, and again, I think it's just inexperience. He just needs some reps. He needs to be given a chance and, and see what happens. And I think as long as you have a pretty solid offensive line and, uh, you know, some, some good running game to put with him, he should be a pretty effective player down there. Mike, thank you for spending some time with us, man. How can people continue to follow your coverage of Notre Dame and all future uh, Alabama, go, all future Alabama quarterbacks? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just go to Irish Sports, <laughs> go to IrishSportsDaily.com. Hey, man, thank you so much. We'll catch up again soon. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks. That's Bye. Mike Franks. Uh, he's been a contributor to our show for a long, long time. We always appreciate him um, coming aboard. Uh, speaking of folks that uh, have uh, been. Uh, contribute contributors to the area uh, Medicare insurance advisors our good friend Aiden Marks so Medicare for those that don't know what Medicare insurance advisors are it was founded back in 2012 the focus for those that don't know really kind of being a community resource for the senior market um, they want to be a little bit different they want to provide a customer or a custom experience for their clients and the community and the process is kind of centered around providing education and long-term support. It's not just about your one-time enrollment for Medicare, right? So if you're within a, uh, a year of retirement, if you're 65 and you're kind of thinking about retiring, you're going to have questions. There's a lot of information out there about Medicare. Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors, he's been in the business a long time. He's an independent guy. He works with multiple carriers. There's never a fee for his service. So if you're confused, you're tired of nonstop solicitation calls, maybe you just need somebody local to talk to, Aiden Marks is the guy you need to call. 463-0031, 463-0031. Maybe you have health benefits through your company. Maybe you, you're looking at VA. Maybe you have VA benefits and you need to see whether or not you need Medicare. These are all issues that Aiden can walk you through. Give him a call, 463-0031. That's Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. Uh, 
come when we come back, uh, I think we're gonna have a little Chick-fil-A for you. Also, you heard us talk about the NHL and the huge, huge upset, right? What are some of the biggest choke jobs in all of sports? Individually, team-oriented, whatever. We had a great list going earlier. Want to hear from you guys on this. We threw out a bunch of them. We'll do it when we come back. Also, Steph Curry. Unbelievable night last night. We'll get to it all coming up next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is Joe Espada, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNSP. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, 746, Lee, what do we got for the folks here on this Monday edition? Alabama is only the second college football team ever to have both the offensive player go first and defensive player go first in the NFL draft. As uh, you know, uh, Bryce Young went number one and uh, Will Anderson went number three. Only one other college football program has ever had the uh, top offensive player and top defensive player in the uh, NFL draft. Name that team, and if you want extra credit, not that I'm going to give you any, but you can name the players, but you don't have to. Just name the school that produced in a draft the number one offensive player and the number one defensive player. Like that teacher that would never give extra credit. No extra credit. little bonus question. I'll tell you what. I'll do it after we get a winner. Hopefully we will. Then I'll let you guess the two players and you'll get the extra credit well, what, what, but but you're not giving extra credit i'm going to give you extra credit what are you going to give me a chick-fil-a uh could be Ooh. Could be. all right so we're talking biggest uh choke jobs team wise individually go i think the orioles losing 69 i mean they were such heavy favorites it was a it was, it was like considered one of the biggest david versus goliath in, in baseball history you know the lowly mets winning the National League facing this terrific Orioles team, and the Orioles lost four games to one. Uh, certainly the Bruins, regular season, best team ever, and then uh, three games to one lead. That's where I think it really you know, stands out, that you had a three games to one lead and could not win one. Because they didn't even, they didn't during the regular season, Mark, they didn't even have a three-game losing streak. And here they get beat by Florida. But you pointed out something, too, about facing a team so many times, you know, back to back to back, you know, best four out of seven. So, yeah, it's 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 not just a physical drain to go through those number games. It's a mental drain to have to play and know you're it's to play that same team. Literally seven times in a row. Think of an NBA series that uh, I I met I mentioned, but I'm, I'm not sure this really stands out. I mentioned. Cleveland beating Golden State a couple of years ago after trailing three games to one. But Cleveland was still a very, very – I mean, they had LeBron. They had Kyrie Irving. Uh, you know, it wasn't like a David versus Goliath. It wasn't like facing the greatest team ever. I'm trying to no, think in the NBA. No, if, Lee, they, they did face the greatest team ever. 
They went 73-9, and the best record a team could ever have. So you think that's a choke job? I think that, yeah, they choked it because they went 73-9. and We're up 3-1. No one's ever came back from 3-1 in the finals before. And then LeBron put the team on his back. Him and Kyrie, they went to work, and they got it done. So that would you'd rank that up there then, right, as one of the biggest choke jobs? Got to be top two. All right. Now, it's interesting because I think you could I, – I think that's valid. It's interesting, though, that each individual instance that we bring up will either be perceived as a great comeback by a team or a meltdown by the other. Rarely is it both. And while I agree with his po- with Nick's points, isn't it, though, generally considered just a great comeback by Cleveland, by Cleveland and not a choke job by Golden State? Yeah, but I think to have it be the great comeback – Therefore, it has to also be a great choke job. Right, but okay, and I don't mean to— Because, I, see, I think it's different because of the expectation that was on Golden State. Best team in NBA history, up 3-1. It's like it's, it's set in stone. It's almost done. But then LeBron pulled something— Put a little magic out the hat. I thought you said he was going to put a little mayonnaise on the hat. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I would have to throw— Put a little mayonnaise throw, on it and get to work. I have to throw that Yankee Red Sox 4 series to uh, getting a team into the World Series. The Yankees were leading three games to none. They're leading 4-3 to three in the ninth inning. Arguably the greatest closer ever in Mariana Rivera. Two outs, and the Red Sox tie it, won it in extra innings, and went on to win the next three. Yeah. That's— yeah, oh, yeah, that's complete. I mean, you're only one out away right. from d- beating the Red Sox four straight, and then you blow that game by letting a guy steal second base, and then you lose three more. I'd say that's up So there. where do you stand on the 28-3 to deal then, Nick? I mean, choke job by the Falcons is how it's wo- – I mean, that's, that's, that's all anybody talks about. Yeah. Not a great comeback by the Patriots. Yeah, because I think – and let me let me put my uh, Falcons foam finger to the side for yeah. a second. Spin it, baby. I think that the the expectations weren't there. You know, as dominant and as good as Atlanta was that year, no one was saying, "Wow, this is the best NFL team ever." Nobody was saying that. So I think of it more as a choke job. Or is it more? <laughs> or is it more of a crazy comeback because it's Tom Brady? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know because I think, well, you know, if we're comparing it to the LeBron and Brady, both two great athletes with the odds stacked against them, there's no way it could ever happen. Yeah. Therefore, they do it. But they needed in each case. Like you'll go back to that series, Draymond Green getting thrown out of a game I think kind of s- changed the narrative and in this game what was the uh what was uh, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator of the Falcons yeah th- th- they, th- that they, loss was all on him yeah that they they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they called him for a play or uh, lack of a play call they didn't run the ball at the end of the game we were up 25 points and we kept throwing the ball yeah and it just didn't work so maybe in that regard so when you look at like how it happened with LeBron and Golden State, it was a lot of games, grinding it out. So, therefore, I think it was more of a comeback 
And then with the Falcons, they just, through their own cause and effect, could not right. make things happen. Therefore, that's the choke. So so on the flip side of that, like you mentioned comeback, which reminds me of the comeback in the Iron Bowl, right? That is widely perceived as a, a huge rally by Auburn, but rarely does anybody talk about that being a choke job against uh, uh, versus Alabama. So some other ones that we talk about, I think when you talk about individual choke jobs, uh, Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. Uh, but again, I think most people thought, you know, Buster Douglas just shocked the world and that it wasn't a bad one by Mike Tyson. Uh, we got a couple more, but I think we also have a caller. So let's take one. Welcome to WNSP. Go ahead. What's going on, Mark? You got Elvis there, man. What's hey, up? Elvis, what's shaking? Hey, uh, I tell you, a choke job for the ages painful to watch was Greg Norman, 96 Panthers, yes. choking away a six-shot lead to Nick Faldo. And <laughs> it was like a, like a four-hour train wreck. I mean, it was just horrible <laughs> to watch. And, uh, yeah, that's right up there, man. I'm out. Thank you, Elvis. I would, For all you Saints fans, what about the uh, River City Relay? This most The most improbable last-second play to score a touchdown then John John Carney gets up and misses the extra point to tie it at the end of the game. Brutal choke job. Brutal. Um, someone in the app might have the best line in the whole of the day. Latrell Sprewell, best choke job. <laughs> Did we have a golf clap? Did we get a winner on the uh, Chick-fil-A? No winner on the Chick-fil-A. All right, one more time. That's it. Otherwise... Yeah, we got to get a winner. We're, we're helping yeah. on getting a winner here. All right, Alabama comes on the second college football team to have the top offensive and number one defensive player go in the NFL draft. Obviously, with Young and Anderson, name the other school that back in the 60s, <laughs> in the 60s, had uh, the number one offensive and number one defensive players. Do you think more people in the world like free Chick-fil-A, or does Lee just love trivia questions more? Ooh. That's that's a hard one there. Like, Lee, if, if somehow all your Chick-fil-A cards got burnt in a fire or something, would you still come and do some type of trivia, or is it just the cards that force you to... It fuels your trivia fire. So those <laughs> cards, and you know what we're talking about, would they burn? Sure, they'd melt. They'd melt? Sure. Okay. I don't think they're flammable. I'm not suggesting y'all need to be careful when you pick them up, but I'm just saying. So what? what's more important to you, the f cards or the trivia? Here's the thing. He's done trivia. I think it's trivially because you've done trivia far That's longer true. than we've had Chick-fil-A cards. I think you're on to something. I think you're just a nut for trivia. You're a trivia nut. I do. I do. I do like to uh, pose questions that uh, bring – Yesteryear, the current time frame. Yeah, I like to do that. And, and also, it's also, it kind of, but I also embellish a story because, like I say, Alabama with 10 players selected. So, and then I look at it like, wow, this is like an incredible record, 17 straight years now that they've had at least one first rounder. But then to look back, the first time, only second school ever to have both offense and, and defense. So, I'm embellishing the fact that, you know, Young and Anderson were the real deal. Did we get a winner yet? We didn't, know. Oh, Lee, I think people are revolting now that they know that you like to ask the question. So they're Tough saying, question. you know what? We're boycotting. We're not answering. Is, is Truett Cathy throwing you anything for uh, 
all these trivia questions we do? Say that again. Truett Cathy, the Chick-fil-A guy, the owner and operator. I don't know who that is. <laughs> the owner and operator of Chick-fil-A? I never met him. Okay. Well, you know he invented the chicken sandwich. I did not even so know that. Say. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, at least that's the rumor, but I have to think that maybe one guy before him put some chicken between bread. Right. Like, does, it's not like he's getting royalties or that family's getting royalties every time someone says chicken sandwich or makes a chicken sandwich, right? They don't slab don't mayo know. on that chicken sandwich, do they? Uh, no. They have their own sauce, See, right? The, the Chick-fil-A right? sandwiches, they come sauceless, which I actually yeah. like. Yeah. I get that uh, the deluxe one with the tomato and the lettuce and the cheese. You don't even need to put sauce on there. It's already juicy enough. I like their Hawaiian sauce. They do. They do have themselves a. Uh, Is that like the Polynesian? Yes. I'm not a fan. I mean, I. I eh. Look, Mark. Um, off the air, we were messaging about mayonnaise, and you came clean about as a kid, Lee. You'll get a kick out of this. Mark used to just eat mayonnaise sandwiches as yeah, a kid. Yeah, as a kid. Oh, how? Oh, I don't know. Sometimes you put a little him. cheese on there. Sometimes you don't. Just lob on that mayonnaise and bread, and he was good. I remember going to a friend's house, and they made, like, mayonnaise sandwiches. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what neighborhood was his house? Yeah. So you didn't have oh, to worry about anybody stealing your lunch at school, I hope. No, we never took it to, the, never took it to school. Yeah, somebody got to swipe your mayonnaise sandwich. But uh, uh, a mayonnaise sandwich with sometimes with a slice of cheese, it's no different than, you know, it's basically a turkey and cheese sandwich without the turkey. Yes. Hey, uh, I mean, no it's not like there were globs. Mayo, please. I mean, Some it's not kid, like it was like falling out of the sandwich. Some kid reaches into your lunchbox. What the heck did I just take? Here, take it back. I don't want it. Yeah, instead of meat lovers, uh, give Mark a mayo lovers. Oh, dual rules. Give me your sandwich. Never mind. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, but seriously, it's not like we put globs and globs on it. It was just yeah, like you would normally. It's put, all that was in there. <laughs> no, but it wasn't like that sandwich was sitting, like the bread was sitting on a mound of mayonnaise. No, no that's. I've always been uh, amazed at, you know, if you go to Sam's and you get that big old. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. 804, here we are. Just like the voice said. Hour number three on this Monday. Hope you and yours had a good one, man. We uh, we we've been busy today, Lee. So when you were, I could just imagine just picking up on what you told me. You go into a sandwich shop, hold the meat, plenty of mayo. Yeah, that's it. No meat. No, I never, I never, <laughs> I never go double mayo. I do have some mayo from time to time. I go with a little mustard, whatever. But I'm just saying, mayo is not the enemy you guys make it out to be. I think it's uh, I think it, taste. I think it adds to certain dishes or sandwiches, and I think you people um, need to open your eyes. Listen, people. You people. Who's Listen. you people? What do you mean, you people? You people. Who's you? Him and I. Yes. Okay. Uh, headline: Steph Curry, a remarkable performance in Game Seven. First time anybody in a Game Seven NBA postseason series won forty plus. He had fifty points yesterday. Get this. Only seven of his 20 field goals were from the three-point line. 
Also, the Boston Bruins had the best record in the National Hockey League this year. I mean, they, they, it was an all-time best season, and they go out in the first round leading three games to one. Florida wins three straight, including an overtime game yesterday. The NFL draft, 259 players were drafted. And to tell us how the Senior Bowl did, who better to call in the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Mr. Jim Nagy. Jim, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Uh, more, morning, Lee. Morning, Mark. So how did uh, 259 players were drafted? How did the uh, Senior Bowlers do? Yeah, we had 100 drafted. So um, that's the third year in a row that we've had over 40% of the entire draft. So, no, really good weekend, you know, especially considering – uh, the circumstances that, that the NFL put in front of us this year, the challenges they put in front of us with the, with the you know, change coaching staff and everything, um, that could have really, really impacted us. And, and thank God we're sitting here after the draft, and it didn't. We That's had you know, 38 of the top 100 players taken and, and 100 overall, so another really good year. Dive deeper into it. Some of the uh, surprises uh, that you occurred or some of the senior bowlers you feel because they came here uh, were able to get drafted? Yeah, there's, you know, there's some good numbers, Lee. We had, uh, you know, the Colts and the Rams each picked seven of our guys. The Rams are a team that haven't been picking senior bowl players over the last few years, but they, they dove in deep this year uh, with seven. Every team picked one guy, uh, at least one of our players. And then we had seven teams pick five or more players. So, uh, like I said, with the Rams and the Colts at seven, I mean, that's a, that's a huge class. you got to think about these players. Um, some of the guys in the Colts class, uh, were hitting me up and they were like, my gosh, like, I mean, they're going to be a good, they got, they're going to know like, you know, six other guys in the, in the rookie class immediately when they go to Indianapolis. So that's a big deal. Helping them transition to the next level. Um, you know, and then we had our highest, our highest drafted non quarterback since uh, 2013, our, our current uh, guy in our hall of fame class, Lane Johnson, the all pro tackle from the Eagles went fourth overall Back in 2013, and this year we had uh, Darnell Wright, the, the offensive tackle from uh, Tennessee, went number 10 overall to uh, the Chicago Bears. So that was uh, that was a really good one to see Darnell go that early. You know, Jim, I, I think we've talked about this in the past. So you're 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 almost like I'm assuming like a first time parent when the draft rolls around, right? You're a little nervous, a little anxious, and then there's probably this this just excitement or jubilation when your guys get called, and it it doesn't happen once. My guess is it happens all through the weekend. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no doubt, Mark. There's there's anxiety. Um, not as much as when you're working for a team. I mean, man, there is more there are there are more workouts um per NFL scout and executive during during uh draft weekend that lead up to the draft than any time of the year. I mean a lot of these guys don't find time to get their exercise in, but man, there's so much ang- it's either like anxiety ridden eating yeah. or anxiety <laughs> anxiety workouts um leading up to the draft. But but no, it is a lot of fun. You know, you do. People ask if I miss working in the NFL, and and I do in the month of April. Um, I do miss the lead up, the strategy of those April meetings, and, and really being a part of something like that. But uh, but you know, you only have you know usually seven picks. Um, you know, depending on trades, you can have more, but usually about seven. Um, but here it's fun, man, on the weekend because you're again there's a hundred guys got picked, so we uh, you know we just sit around the office and, and track this stuff as we go and. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So to see guys like Tajay Spears, who was in town last weekend for or last Thursday for our draft party, who had a chance of, of, of really falling in the draft. He had, a, he had a bad medical come back on his knee. Um, so for, for the Tennessee Titans to kind of feel good enough about that knee and take him in the third round, um, and, and again, getting to know Tajay and his family and having them here in Mobile last week, that was 
that was probably my my favorite moment of the entire draft is when he went in the third to Tennessee. Who did you give high grades? A, what school? What teams got A's from you as far as drafting this weekend? Well, I don't give grades, Lee. I don't give grades at all. Um, I don't believe in that in grading something we don't know. You usually, you know, it honestly takes two or three years if we know who who's going to pan out and who does well. I, I did like it's very Homer pick. I really liked what Seattle did. Um, I thought they nailed their second draft in a row last year. They got. It ended up being the best draft class. Um, what they what they hauled out, of, you know, last year and, and this year they followed that up. I thought the Philadelphia Eagles hit a home run. I Howie Roseman did an incredible job getting those three Georgia Bulldog defensive players. Um, you know, Keely Ringo and Jalen Carter and, and Nolan Smith. Those were a couple I really liked what Indianapolis did. Obviously, that sounds like a homer thing too with seven senior bowlers. But man, they just they they got a lot of value, a lot of really good athletes. Uh, some guys there that I thought would go earlier from our game that, that you know, got into the third and fourth rounds. They, they really took a bunch of guys there. So those were a few, but there was a, there was a bunch of Pittsburgh Steelers did really, really well. Chicago Bears did well. Um, and I like what the Saints did. You know, speaking of the Saints, uh, they did draft a quarterback, one of the 14, the Fresno State kid, Hayner, who I think I saw when they these, these tests, this uh, test they take now was like second right behind Bryce Young. What are the Saints getting? Well, you know, I, they, they took Ian Book in the third round a few years ago. I think Jake's got a chance. You know, in, in, in Ian's, Ian's now with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think Ian's got a chance to stick around the league as a backup. I really think Jake, of all the guys, all the quarterbacks that won on, on day three, uh, Jake going there in the fourth round, I think he's got the chance to be the guy that breaks out and becomes a starter out of this group. And he, he's going into a great situation there with a, a fellow Fresno State Bulldog alum. Derek Carr, who he can learn under, you know, at least for a year, maybe a couple years. But, uh, you know, Jake's a gamer, man. He's, uh, it didn't surprise me he won MVP of the Senior Bowl. He's, he's just kind of got that quality where he can go out there and make plays. And, uh, you know, that the, the, the test you're referring to is the S2 cognition test, which, uh, yeah, I mean, all that, all that stuff got leaked. I hate that, that all that stuff gets leaked around draft time. But, yeah, he did. He scored like 96, per, 96 percentile on the test, I want to say, which was right below Bryce Young, who I think was at 98, something like that. Um, but it's just mental processing. It's a mental processing test that we give here at the Senior Bowl. They give it at the Combine. Um, and it bodes well for the future. Um, you know, with it, that, that test has only become popular since really since I took the Senior Bowl job five years ago. Um, so I don't know too much about, you know, the results and everything, but talking to some guys around the league over the last month, um, they said the historical data that's already come back is, is pretty strong in terms of who does well at the quarterback position specifically, you know, based off that, based off those test numbers, there is a correlation there. So um, hopefully that, hopefully that's the case. And, uh, and Jake becomes the next guy over there in, in New Orleans. Jim, Jim Nagy, our guest here on WNSP, this might sound like a dumb question, but you know, that, that might be all my questions. Why, why do we take such offense when those type of, results of that type of testing comes out we 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 make so much transparent with these guys when it comes to their physical attributes and everything else that goes into playing these positions why are we so hesitant to release that type of information i don't know mark i thought about that too you know last week when when a lot of this stuff was coming out of the last few weeks when it's stuff coming about cj Stroud because i just think it, it ties into the brain i don't know and in you know, it's not nice to, you know, call people a dummy, right? Yeah. Like going back to when we were little kids, it's not nice to, right. It just, it seems different. It seems different than if someone's not good at a 40 yard dash or a, or a, you know, a three cone drill or a vertical jump than, than really, you know, 
making a common commentary on their intelligence. And this isn't an intelligence test. This is a little bit different from the Wonderlic. Um, it's more of just a, again, a mental processing thing. It's not so much. It's about reactionary stuff. It's really a physical test. I mean, there's all sorts of like. Um, hands-on things you need to do for the S2 test. So it, it's not just about, you know, and I, you know, it's not about your IQ. So yeah. I'm with you. I mean, again, it's part of the equation. Um, I, I can't believe people don't understand why teams don't value that kind of stuff. I mean, you have to be smart to play, especially certain positions. I mean, offensive line, quarterback. I mean, there's some positions you got to be really a middle linebacker. I mean, you got to be really intelligent to play those positions. So um, I, I always think it's, I'm with you. Like I, I, I never understand why fans, um, you know, get down on the on the NFL for trying to measure that stuff because um, it's a big part of the job. Jim Nagy of the uh, Senior Bowl joining us. Was there any draft pick or anything that happened that you you, you look, looked at and said, "Now why?" The one that that puzzled me a little bit was the the Patriots moving up, trading up to get a field goal kicker. That doesn't happen very often at all in the draft, does it? Uh, for not not trading up to get kickers usually usually you let kickers come to you you don't usually use draft capital to move up but if that's the guy they liked um you know they they had a they had an interesting draft they, they it's funny they picked their punter and kicker were both senior bowlers and they were both on the same team um so i posted a picture this weekend of those two guys in the game you know the michigan state punter holding for the maryland kicker so they'll have a little instant chemistry there in new england but uh no, I mean, there, there's obviously over the course of a 253-pick draft, you know, there's some head-scratchers in there. But uh, off the top of my head, I mean, not, nothing glaring. But, yeah, there's certainly some, some reaches and things. But, again, we don't know. Like like the Detroit Lions, you know, there's like the Jameer Gibbs pick um, from the Alabama running back, and I think 12 or 13 overall, whatever that was. I mean, that, that certainly seemed like a reach to me. Um, I thought Jameer had a chance to sneak into the first round. So, so where he went at 12 or 13 seemed high. But I don't have all the information that that uh, Brad Holmes, the GM of the Lions, have. I mean, who knows? Maybe he he got information that that someone up in the teens was going to take Jameer, so he pulled the trigger where he pulled the trigger. So I don't know. But there's uh, obviously over the course of an entire draft, there's things that that make you that make you wonder. Yeah. So you bring him up, and we talked about this earlier. I'm curious to get your take, though. Uh, is this just a blip on the map that we had two running backs go as high as they did, or are we starting to reverse the trend a little bit? Could this be the start of a reverse where we maybe value running backs a little bit more than we have in the in the recent past here? You know, it, it reminds me of a conversation I had about a week ago with a, with a, a GM in the league, and he just said, you know, Jim, if you're doing if you're doing the same thing everyone else is doing, where you get where are you getting your competitive advantage from like you, so you you know teams when other teams are zigging you got to zag just to find like a market inefficiency and that's why i felt like the Bijan robinson pick um the falcons took him eight overall i, yeah. thought, I thought that was a really good pick because Bijan was the you know arguably the the top one two or, or three one of the most talented guys in this draft so uh yeah mark maybe i mean maybe i think you could see a departure from that for a really special talent um, but I, I don't think we'll ever get back to the, the days like when we grew up where running backs were coming off the board in the, in the top 10 every year. But uh, certainly I think there's some teams that think outside the box and, and are going to go against the grain. And like, again, they just define an efficiency there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're starting to with, – with as much as we throw to the guys out of the, out of the backfield now and, and there are these multi-purpose backs, the Camaras and, 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 and the McCaffreys – I think they're a little undervalued. I, I, th I think with the way that the game is going, I, I think you could make a make a, a, a case for drafting these guys a little bit higher than we do. Yeah, I mean, 
like you said, if you, if you can use him as a multi-position guy like like Camara, and and Gibbs has a little bit of that. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard the Camara. I've heard the Camara comparisons. He's not Elvin Camara. I'll say that. I mean, he's a good player. He's not Elvin Camara. Um, but yeah, if you can if you can get if you can use him as a receiver and use him in the return game, uh, yeah, I think it makes sense. I think you're on to something. Hey, uh, get some rest, or or no, start watching film for next week, week year's class. What are we doing? Yeah, we're already doing that, man. We're, we're we've been on the 2024 for a while now. So I I jumped into it a couple weeks ago. Our our staff's been on it since like uh, late December. Um, they've been on 2024. So yeah, that's where we're that's where we're headed. I've got a lot of these to do the next couple of days this week. Uh, media stuff, just talking to people around the country about their drafts. But uh, yeah, we are we are certainly moving forward. Hey Jim, well thanks for uh, spending some time with us this morning. Congratulations on another uh, great year, and uh, we look forward to doing it again soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great week. Yep, you too. That's Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. What do you want to do here? You want to you want to you want to do a little scoreboard? Add a little mayo, or you just want to you want to do the you want to get rid of the mayo? Let's put the mayo on the scoreboard and skip it. <laughs> o- only because we have Bob Iback coming on to tell our listeners how they can get a Bryce Young. Fair enough. Football. And that may run its course, so we better hold off on the mayo and the scoreboard. Fair enough. I cannot argue this point. So stay with us. Traffic and weather are next. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSW. My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to WNSP. Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. All right, 824, welcome back in. The opening kickoff, Mark and Lee, right here on Sports Station WNSP. And since Bryce Young has been selected or was selected number one, Nico Sports has developed a promotion surrounding the selection of Bryce Young. And to tell you about it, my good friend Bob Iback from Nico Sports. Bob, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Doing great, uh, Mark and Lee. Nice to be with you guys. And I know we've spoken a lot over the years on sports memorabilia and things of that nature. And uh, uh, it's kind of interesting. It's not often you can say you've, uh, this is something that's never happened in Alabama football history. But uh, Bryce uh, Young going in and getting uh, the number one pick by Carolina the other day, first ever. Alabama player to be drafted number one and of course he was also a couple of years ago the first Alabama quarterback to win the Heisman so we've come up with a, a very nice historic football full size limited edition only 2023 of these will be produced to uh, kind of celebrate that piece of Alabama history for fans uh, it's priced just $119 it will also benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Alabama they help us get some uh, wishes raised for kids who have life-threatening medical conditions. When people order these, and I'll give out that phone number and website in just a moment, uh, they're 
$119 each, you'll get a numbered certificate of authenticity and know that it's also going to help out a Make-A-Wish child of Alabama get some wishes granted for them. Now, on the top panel of the ball, you'll have a beautiful color action image of uh, Bryce along with his stats. The second panel has some of uh, Bryce Young's Alabama records and career highlights. And then we also go back uh, and celebrate his Heisman season on there and a recap game guy, big game by game, excuse me, of this past season. So you get all that information. Everything is embossed on the football. Here's how you can go ahead and order these. Toll-free number is 1-800-345-2868. Again, that's 1-800-345-2868. Or just go to the website. You can see it there. The Bryce Young football is beautiful. Um, you can order it there, nikosports.com. That's spelled N-I-K-C-O sports.com. Again, that's N-I-K-C-O sports.com or 1-800-345-2868. You can also download a gift card and consider this as a great item to give uh, mom or dad or somebody graduating from college or high school, that Alabama fan. So I think they'd be very, very pleased to have this in their collection. Bob, I can't thank you enough for joining us. We'll catch up to you later this week, all right? That sounds great. You guys have a wonderful day. You bet. So if we, if I gave you this football, if I had it, no guarantee I'll have it. I would it. cherish it as a gift from Lee Shervanian forever. But, but you wouldn't go out and play catch with it? Negative, Ghost Rider. All right. Just curious. Uh, by the way, I just did some quick math. Uh, for those of you that want to find uh, an easy way to make a little scratch, I think uh, Nick just came up with a get-rich scheme. You want to share that with folks? Yeah, so Facebook has uh, <laughs> filed for a settlement where all users are entitled <laughs> to divvy up this $725 million payout. Right. And between now and August, whoever signs up and fills out the claim gets a piece of that $725 million. Okay, so you said there's like three billion people, right? Two. Uh, well, there's like, I I put the number in it two because I'm just assuming not every okay. single person. So I I made some like crack wise crack at the break. I was like, okay, so, so you know, enjoy the thirty seven cents you get before taxes. You did some math. Yeah, I did the math. I I did two billion people dividing that amount of money between them and it was exactly 37 cents <laughs> that everybody would get so here's what i'm thinking first off we don't have to worry about lee because he hasn't had a facebook account right so right he doesn't qualify yep do you have to declare it we need to start <laughs> pushing out that this is a scam and telling people not to do this therefore everyone that does do it it's a bigger chunk of that 725 I think we're mil. missing the bigger point here, Nick. What's that? You're working with a mathematical genius. Oh, is that the point I missed? Yes. You spit out some big numbers, and I do my Rain Man thing, and boom, 37 cents. All right. Well, how many de people? De de definitely 37. How many people do we need to block from doing this so that I can make at least 20,000? More than 37. <laughs> Mike Rodak's next. Stay with us. Away. 
832. Yeah, Jimmy Buckets, man, that was that was hard to watch when he twisted that ankle. You see uh, the end of the game where he just kind of stood out there, yeah. though? Yeah. And and I'm trying to and maybe that's another question for another day about athletes who were injured but stayed in there as more of a decoy. And the interview was funny afterwards because they they brought him over to interview him after the game and then they, he started talking about some of his teammates who picked up the slack, like Lowry and so forth. Yeah. And he said, heck, I didn't do anything. The only thing I missed was an air ball three-pointer, which I thought was funny to hear him say yeah. that because athletes don't usually call attention to misses. But um, we'll see what happens if he's ready to go in game two uh, tomorrow night. I know who's ready to go with us right now on Alabama football is Mike Rodak from AL.com. Very well-respected writer and so forth, and we appreciate him joining us this morning. Mike, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Doing well. Good morning to you as well. Good. Before we get to the draft, and, and, and originally that's why I booked you to get you to talk about the 10 players and the free agents and so forth, I wanted to ask you, since last night I think was the deadline for filing to go into the portal did any of the Alabama quarterbacks, uh, do you know if any of them decided to enter the portal? Yeah, as of right now, there's there's no news that they did. Now, is it impossible that there's some administrative delay where, you know, it's a weekend and maybe Monday morning they go, they technically go into the portal? I guess that's possible. I don't, I don't really know the, the technicalities there, but... Uh, as of right now, it doesn't really seem like it's going to happen. I think even Jalen Milrow's dad came out and talked to um, you know to Rivals.com and basically said that he's going to stay. And um, you know, it's it's a little bit of a stare down. That's that's kind of my read on it at, at quarterback. That um, you know these guys think they still have a shot. That Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow aren't intimidated, if you will, by by Tyler Buckner and think that they can win the job. And um, you know, two freshmen too are, are still hanging around, which. You know, have to see Dylan Lonergan's a little bit of a special case because he's a baseball player, and I think down the road he can get drafted, and there's all sorts of decisions he'll have to make on that end. But right now there's five quarterbacks. I mean, the last three seasons they've carried three. Um, so that's that's interesting. And, it's, I mean, there's really no way for any of them except – well, Buckner I, I don't even think is a grad transfer either. So that's five quarterbacks who are undergraduates. So they can't transfer now until – December 3rd and so you're really going to carry all five of them this season which I, I can't speak specifically to whether that was Saban's plan or not I'm not sure if it was um, but it's not like you can force these guys out the door either so it's a little bit of a stare down it's a three-way competition right now and um, you know if, if you're Jalen Miller or Ty Simpson and you just saw Tyler Buckner come in because Alabama didn't think you were good enough this spring Personally, I probably would have transferred, but here we are. Mike Rodak, AL.com. Uh, Alabama became the first school since Michigan State to have the top offense, top defensive player go. We didn't get a winner on our Chick-fil-A, but I wanted to ask you to give a, a, a not all the players, not to give a rundown, but did anything surprise you regarding the Alabama players in the draft? They had 10 drafted. Did any go too high, too low, and are any of the guys that are free agents now do you think should have been drafted? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like where guys were expected to go, I think the biggest surprise or the two biggest surprises were Jameer Gibbs going high as number 12. Um, a, because running backs don't typically go that high. That's kind of been the trend in the NFL. And B, because, you know, there's, there's questions I think about all around is what can he do as a running back? I think he's certainly very capable as a pass catcher. We saw that last year. 
But Alabama's running game in between the tackles was not great last year. Part of that might have been the offensive line. I think part of it's just kind of the running style of Jameer Gibbs. He's not the sort of guy who's who's really going to, you know, pound through a, a, a defense. That's just not how he's built. So if, if he's a little bit one-dimensional that way in college, and I think it's really going to show in the NFL – you know, that might have been a reach for, you know, from the Lions' standpoint, but he certainly could be a very explosive player in the passing game for them. Um, and then Henry Toe Toe would be the other one falling where I want to say at this point last year when we were doing our, you know, kind of checking around the previews of what how the draft could go, you know, next year, Toe Toe was a borderline first or second round pick. I think ESPN even had him as a first round pick in their too early mock draft for 2023. And even going into this draft, he was projected like third or fourth round, and he falls all the way into the fifth, um, late fifth, I think. So that was a little bit of a surprise, too. But he's he's not athletically, you know, he's not going to jump out athletically to NFL teams. He's a little bit undersized. Um, he certainly has the, the instincts and I think the sort of the, the brain for the game. I think the body for the game, you know, is going to be a different question. But those would be the two biggest surprises. And then undrafted guys, I mean, I think Eli Ricks obviously has the most potential uh, of those five guys you want to draft. He's a former five-star prospect. We all kind of knew how heralded he was coming into Alabama. I'm sure NFL teams saw what happened this past season and probably didn't love the limited tape that they saw either. Um, But there's still, you know, the Eagles still brought him in, I'm sure, because he's talented and he's long and he kind of has that that ceiling. Um, But he's also slow. I mean, that's that 40-time hurt him as well at the combine and um, that's why he didn't go drafted. I'm kind of curious because we, you know, we made such a big deal about Will Levis and he's sitting in the whatever color that room is now and didn't get drafted to, but he, he went high in the second. But what about a guy like Eli, Eli Ricks? He comes in, he's a five star, uh, comes to Alabama. Who, who gives him the advice to, to go out and he didn't even get drafted? Okay, and obviously there's not much money there, but I mean, this is a guy, I guess he could have come back, right? He still had some years to Mm go and maybe excelled and and maybe been a a first or second. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, you know, how well he's done up there, but I mean, who? how does he make a determination that now I'm ready for the NFL and then he didn't get drafted? Yeah, I would tend to doubt that anybody at Alabama told him to do that. You know, I think if it was a, an endorsed decision, if you will. Typically, those are the guys that are up there at the podium with Saban, you know, that, at that announcement, and he wasn't. Um, and, you know, obviously, he didn't totally seem to be with the program um, from the time that he got there. And, you know, he said we didn't talk to him for the very last game of the season, Sugar Bowl, but he said that his relationship with Saban was fine. You know, I it didn't seem like it totally was. There was obviously issues with him learning the defense and not starting until the middle of the year. Saban kind of use the injury um, excuse, if you will, to kind of explain. I think he was just providing him a little bit of cover as his coach. But, yeah, I mean, it just – there was nothing that we saw out of him last season that said, hey, it makes sense for him to come out early. Uh, but there's still a lot of people around these guys, family and high school coaches and agents and, and all that that might give different advice. And um, sometimes a guy just has a – idea in his mind that he's an NFL player and nobody's going to stop him either. So I don't know which sort of category that falls under with him. Um, I didn't get a good sense of that at the combine. I did ask him if he considered transferring instead of 
you know, coming back to school but transferring? And uh, he said no. And I think he would have had to sit out, you know, a year because it would have been a second transfer. But uh, maybe he just didn't want to come back to Alabama. That's That could have been part of the thinking, too, that he was just – he didn't feel like it was a good spot for him and um, wanted to move on. Mike, I thought uh, Mike Rodak, our guest here on uh, WNSP. So I don't think it was a huge surprise that Houston took Will Anderson, but I thought it was a nice twist on how they did it. It had this whole draft day, Kevin Costner, Sonny Weaver Jr. vibe to it there. Um, uh, I, I, I thought things got interesting real quick on, on day one. Yeah, um, you know, I, it was interesting because, like, as you wrote, like the Todd McShay came out that afternoon and was saying yeah. the intel says Will Anderson's the number two pick, which I guess he's not wrong in the sense that he went to the Texans, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it was T.J. Stroud. So, you know, there was a lot of people that obviously were leaning away from Stroud in recent weeks, and everybody's talking about him sliding, and, um, you know, that's, that's why I always hated those last couple weeks when I covered the NFL before the draft because it's just – there's all sorts of stuff flying left and right, and uh, a lot of it's not true. Some of it is true. A lot of it's not true. Um, so, that I mean, it made sense for the Texans to take a quarterback. I mean, that's a team that hasn't taken one in a while. They've been kind of meandering around at that position, and Nick Casario is probably on his last legs um, as GM there if he can't you know, turn it around this year. So, you know, why not take a shot on a guy like that and see if you can – you know, catch a quarterback. The rookie, there's been rookie quarterbacks who've been pretty successful in the NFL recently. Uh, that made more sense to me. And, you know, in terms of Will, you know, I, I do think there's legitimate questions about what his ceiling is and, you know, his production in Alabama in terms of, um, you know, how much of it was just pure physical domination. You know, there's, there's legitimate questions there, but he's still really solid, solid pick at, at number three and, um, a guy who I think is going to play 10 years in the NFL, you know, will he be a Hall of Famer? Will he make, you know, eight Pro Bowls? We'll have to see. Um, but he's a he's he's a, he's a pro. You know, he's a, he's a pro player and a, a very good pro player at that. I would say. So let me ask you this: Go back to your days covering the NFL. Was there uh, was there something that you dismissed and said, "I'm not reporting that. That's just there's nothing there." That actually wound up becoming uh, a reality, and you kind of kicked yourself a little bit for, for not reporting it? Was there ever uh, an instant that you can remember? Uh, I don't know if it would fall completely under that category. I do remember the the second, actually would have been the first draft that I covered with the Bills would have been 2014 when there's a lot of talk um, before the draft about them trading up uh, for Sammy Watkins, the, the Clemson yeah. wide receiver, and the Bills spent – the first round pick next year to move up, I think it was like five spots from number nine to number four, because they thought Sammy Watkins was a, a generational talent. I think I did hear that a little bit before the draft. I remember we had a, a mock draft with ESPN and I had a mock trade that I made where I moved up to the number one pick <laughs> and I, I gave up like three first round picks to do it. And I remember Bill Polian was analyzing our mock draft on TV and he said that the terrible trade, they're never going to move up like that. It's stupid. <laughs> And then I asked, I asked somebody who asked an NFL GM about it, and the GM's like, "That was a great trade. Like the other team didn't get enough from you." <laughs> I guess I I was right on that, and the Bills did move up, and that was a, a bad pick, and it basically cost that GM his job. You know, Doug Whaley in Buffalo. Looking over the roster coming up for Alabama, 
Alabama's got a run now of 17, no, 15 straight years, something like that. It's a record for getting first-rounders into the NFL draft. Who on this coming year, that roster, would have a chance, do you think, to be drafted in the first round? Yeah, yeah, 15 in a row. They just eclipsed uh, Miami. was at 14. I think it was 95 to 2008, uh, something like that. And, um, yeah, it's it, there's – there's three players I think we're going to hear about a lot, you know, kind of this offseason as being potential first-round picks. They're all juniors, J.C. Latham, uh, tackle, Kool-Aid at, at corner, and um, Dallas Turner at outside linebacker. Now, are any of those, like, slam-dunk first-round picks for me right now? No, I think there's still stuff that they all need to prove. Um, you know, and then there's other potential players that might come in and, 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 and turn into something. Like, we saw Jameson Williams as a transfer come in. Um, I don't know if D.J. Dupree or Trenton Marshall is going to do that, but, you know, there's always a surprise in terms of guys that, you know, overperform a little bit. Um, but, you know, with that said, it's it's a little bit less certain than it has been. I mean, we kind of knew last year going in that Bryce and Will were going to be top five picks. That panned out. Who knows this year? Um, I mean, Burton and Brooks at wide receiver, I think have a ways to go to be like a, a bona fide NFL first round draft pick at wide receiver. Um, and then at running back, I mean, Jason McClellan, I think is he's a mid round talent. I don't think he's a, I can't miss running back, you know, prospect for the NFL. We'll have to see what Chris Braswell does, you know, as a starter and outside linebacker, he's got some talent, but it, it, it's going to be a lighter draft. I think next year for Alabama, um, I don't think we're going to see, 10 players chosen, um, or at least, you know, whatever it was, eight players for the first three rounds. I don't know if there's eight day one or day two picks on this roster right now. Mike, really appreciate it. Uh, curious to get your feedback on our unofficial poll of the day. Did Will Levis slide because of the reported toe injury or because of the mayonnaise in the coffee bit? Oh, it has to be the latter. You know, the other <laughs> thing, too, what is this whole olive oil and coffee thing? That sounds disgusting. Uh, Starbucks I, is doing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They uh they were getting ripped for it, right? Yeah. It's, who puts olive oil on coffee? I mean, maybe I'm not, you know, fancy enough, but that just sounds awful to me. So does mayonnaise, for that matter. Well, yeah. So, um, I think the big winner in that whole Will Levis thing, though, is his girlfriend, right? <laughs> I'd say so. That seems like she definitely got the attention. And, and those that were counting page views on and, and, and writing about her, of course. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Mike, uh, we appreciate it, man. Uh, how can people continue to follow your coverage of all things Alabama? You got it on AL.com as well as Twitter at Mike Rodak. Hey, man, thank you. Have a great week. We appreciate the time as always. You got it. Thank you. That's Mike Rodak. All right, Lee, I'll let you think about this. Well, I'll ask the question and then we'll go to break. But we have a listener in the app that believes they know why you're not a huge mayonnaise fan. Oh, all right. I'm anxious to hear why. Because the consistency of said condiment uh, is uh, basically lard-like. It's a spoonful of lard. So give that some thought. Could that be the reason? We're talking mayonnaise today, and Lee hates mayonnaise, but he doesn't really know why. He just, we're, 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 we're trying to pin down an answer here before we get out of here. If you feel like you can help Lee in this endeavor, we encourage you. When Mark, you're a mayonnaise lover, having been only eating 
mayonnaise sandwiches as a kid is your favorite yeah. sandwich? I didn't say it was my favorite, but let's not let details get in the way of a good story. I love this stuff. Couldn't get enough (laughs) of it. I'll give you another good one. You know, as you know, I don't eat eggs. Yeah, that is indeed a fact. I'll tell you something I did yesterday to eliminate eggs. Ooh, stay with us. This is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. During this commercial, just kind of hanging out, chatting with the sales staff and the front desk. Looks like they're making their way back now. Uh, but yeah, so mayonnaise, am I right? Probably never. All right, so Lee, what did you do? To get rid of eggs. We went to a restaurant yesterday out on Schillinger that's got a hibachi grill. I had been there a couple weeks ago, and they do everything in front of you, as you know. They set the fire. It's really neat. And they bring out the rice, the fried rice. Well, much to my consternation, because I don't like looking at eggs, let alone eating them. So they put all the eggs on the this grill And then they bring the rice, and they're meshing it all together. It's fried rice. So yesterday, I asked them, I said, can I get the rice without the eggs? And they said, sure. So they made a special. They did When they did my rice, no eggs. Just did whatever they did, the fried, put everything else into it, and just kept the eggs out of it. Not only uh, a thrilling. So I was not an egghead yesterday. Not only a thrilling story. Boring as heck. And an unbelievable arc to it. I was on the edge of my seat. Worthy of the tease going in about how you got rid of eggs altogether. It's fascinatingly. Congratulations. You know, I'm let glad that be we a didn't. Lesson to you people out there. If, if you want something done, just stand up for yourself and ask for That's it. That's right. Say, I don't want the eggs. That's what happened. So, what do you think yeah. about eggs? The uh, main ingredient in mayonnaise is what? Eggs. Yeah. How about that? So, maybe that's the reason. So you don't like mayonnaise. You just it, mayonnaise isn't the issue. It's what it's made with. What about the whole lard thing? Well, if I if somebody says that's what it's like, I'm staying away from that lard. Good take. Hot take. Yeah. Hmm. When was the last time you ate mayonnaise, Lee? And you were like, oh, yep, I definitely still hate this. You know what? <laughs> it it may have snuck into something I wasn't aware of, or oh sometimes that. when you're at an event and they bring out these little sandwiches or something like that it uh, i may have accidentally bit into something like that in the chicken salad or the potato salad something else i do i don't eat potato salad or chicken salad because of that we went to one place we we did a show nick you and i were out there voodoo wings yes do you remember when they brought out some chicken salad for me yes and they told me there was no mayo in it oh it was delicious how about that also did you have to order it that way I asked them. Uh, That's so the yes. best thing. Yes. Yeah, Nick was there. He was. Now, doesn't all chicken salad pretty much have mayonnaise in it? Pretty that much. Was, that was my assumption, yes. What, what are they using over there, then? Never asked them. 
Hmm. He, so, just, he asked me to try it. What if they really had mayonnaise in it and he liked it? And I it. was sucker punched. Ooh. <laughs> uh, okay. By so the way, I, I know you're not going to mention it. I'll just throw one line in there. Big pickleball thing going on at the Mobile Tennis Center, 11 a.m. I know you've talked about it. I'm wondering when you're going to get together with me so we can, as a team, go out and play some pickleball. Look at your face. I need. We need a – I suggest we go out and play the afternoon squad in a game of pickleball. All right. They're a lot younger than I am, so – but you don't have to cover much ground. We have three people on our team, though. Oh, you want to come play? We weren't going to play. We're going to have three out there. You're only supposed to have two. He couldn't take the subtle hint. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't want the unathletic kid coming to play with us. But I, was, I didn't want to be. No, no, I didn't want to be nasty okay. about I'll, it. I'll. Uh, I'll commentate the game and be the referee. But Nick's more athletic than I am. But here, okay, that doesn't help in pickleball, though, right? It doesn't hurt. No. <laughs> right. It's not a lot of ground to. I'm cover. just saying, if, if Nick and I played the afternoon guys in anything, any sport, maybe not golf. But anything that requires any bit of athletic ability, we run them. It's not even close. I don't know, man. Corey, you know, he coached basketball. Yeah. Those I can't play coach. Oh, wait. I rescind that previous statement. Right. But he does a lot of up and down the court as a, an official. Yeah, whatever. Uh, all I'm saying is we run them in anything athletic. Or is there anything they could beat us in that is athletic? I mean, I'm not talking about golf. Maybe Birch. like uh, swinging a baseball well, bat. Size-wise, they're a little bit bigger than we are on the morning show. And what? About like basketball? Their mass of their body. We run them. It's not even close. Do you I'm think you could like go one-on-one like on, one on Corey in basketball? Yes. You really do? Yes. All right. That's fair. Yes. You know, remember when they got to drag Michael along with them. Listen, people. Remember when we were out at Sarah Land? Guarantee. And we had Ryan Williams on. Yeah. And remember we asked him the question, like, who's, is anybody out there that was as quick as you? Or, and I don't remember how I phrased the question, but he said Anthony Eager, right? The kid from McGill. Yeah. Well, didn't Nick race Eager? I wasn't here. He did. He did. And and we put it up on social media and held his own. Um. Could yes. he could he hold his own against Ryan Williams? So that's athletic. Okay, so yes, he he held his own. It should be noted, and Nick is already laughing because Anthony Eager wasn't wearing proper foot gear. He was in like Crocs or Birkenstocks or something, and and and. What well, it wasn't it was like he was running, yards? but he was wasn't 60. like running in cement blocks. No, no, no. Nick's got some wheels. There's no question. Nick's got some wheels. So could he hold his own? Could you hold your own against Ryan Williams? Probably about as well as I did against Anthony, I'm sure. Yeah. I just got a text from a golf coach. Did you just say golf? Golf's not athletic? Yeah, look, Michael and Corey, they'd have us in the golf match. Now, I know Corey's never played golf before, but... I'd feel pretty good they'd beat us Michael golf. plays golf a lot, so I'm, I'm going to give him the edge. There. But that's the only thing. They get an edge in. Maybe swinging a bat in baseball... I don't know. Oh, I'm horrible at that. Yeah, so anything else? Tennis, basketball, pickleball. Two-on-two flag football. Yeah, it's not even close. It's not even close. We run them. Ball, tetherball. We might even take them in bowling. I don't know. Four-square. I'm a horrible bowler. Okay. Four-square then. (laughs) Dodgeball. Beer pong. (laughs) 
I feel like Bronner might low-key be skilled at that. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're back tomorrow at 6. Until then, see ya. Horseshoes. <laughs>